Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Fourth Swing Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch Snyder. Gentlemen, it is conference championship weekend in the college football world. How are we feeling on this fine Saturday morning? I'm pretty good. I mean, last night we had a nice preview of hopefully what's to come with more exciting games. Yeah. I mean, just it's 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 a weird week because either you're like oh, I'm all in on this or you're like I just it's just another week of college football. Um, um, I haven't decided where I land yet. I think I think towards tonight I'll I'll <laughs> I'll know a little bit more. <laughs> Once I watch Georgia Alabama, I'll be I'll see I'll see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um. So yeah, last night two conference championship games were settled when the uh, University of Texas San Antonio coming off of a loss against North Texas. Uh, wins a shootout in the Conference USA Championship game against Western Kentucky, 49-41, to and Oregon gets absolutely hammered by Utah in the Pac-12 Championship, 38-10. to That means that in their two matchups this season, Oregon has been outscored by Utah, 76-17. to Goddamn. Will go to, and if I'm not mistaken here, Utah will go to its first Rose Bowl as a uh, football program um, to face mm-hmm. off against the uh, winner of Michigan Iowa, unless Michigan ends up in the college football playoff, in which case it would be Iowa. then it's Ohio State. Yeah, then sorry, then it's Ohio State. So if Michigan wins um, and and makes the college football playoff, Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl. If Iowa wins, it'll be Iowa Utah in the Rose Bowl, um, but. Before we talk about... So they're hoping for an Iowa win, then. <laughs> yeah. We're, talk, we're talking about... Uh, before we talk about the, the con- preview of the rest of the conference championship games, let's talk about just the craziness that was rivalry week last week in the college football world. Um, I don't want to... It, it kicks off with... Uh, the- Boo-hoo, we're going to. Yeah. Um, it kicks off with... Uh, Iowa coming from behind down 21 to 6 to beat Nebraska for the, I think, eighth straight year is what they said. Um, Arkansas holds off against Missouri. Cincinnati gets a signature win against East Carolina. Um, and North Carolina State beats North Carolina. Georgia shuts out Georgia Tech in uh, one of my favorite rivalry names, which is just good old fashioned hate. Um, Michigan, for the first time in Harbaugh's career, Beats Ohio State, which is why Michigan's going to its first ever Big Ten championship. And convincingly. Yeah, not even just beat, like, beat. It was convincing. Wake Forest holds on to uh, move to the ACC championship game, meaning that Clemson will not get to the ACC championship game. Alabama survives a four-overtime scare against Auburn to pull off that win. Baylor beats Texas Tech. Which means that when Oklahoma State holds on to beat Oklahoma, that Oklahoma won't be in the Big 12 championship game. Um, Pittsburgh beats Syracuse to hold on. Notre Dame annihilates Stanford and then loses their head coach. LSU uh, in in Ed Orgeron's last game as a head coach beats a ranked Texas A&M team. Uh, Texas A&M team. Michigan State holds on against Penn State and Minnesota uh, dashes Wisconsin's hopes. Or a Big Ten nope, team with uh, a 23-13 win. So, um, let's just it, – it was rivalry week, so we expected upsets. We expected craziness. But did it live up to the hype? No. What was your guys' just thoughts about rivalry week last week? 
Yeah, I think it definitely did. Uh, as you pointed out, when you're running through some of the games, we got some upsets. So it wasn't all uh, big brother beating up on little brother. Um, one game that I wanted to point out was uh, Washington State versus Washington. Uh, just a big kudos to Washington State's new head coach, who's the interim coach for uh, the rest of the year, uh, Jake uh, Dykert, uh, for what he was able to do with all the controversy with the, the old head coach and all they had to go through and to get a big uh, win at the Apple uh, Cup, uh, convincingly 40 to 13 against Washington. Um, you know, big day for the Washington State. And then obviously Jim Harbaugh finally getting the chip off his shoulder, the monkey off his back, whatever you want to call it. Um I mean, this team looks legit, especially Hassan Haskins coming in with a Jonathan Taylor performance of five touchdowns. Um, it was great to see. Yeah, um, I'm going to go to Bama because Bama Auburn, because if uh, TJ Finley can actually, you know, walk on his ankle, um, Auburn probably wins that game. Uh, Bama got lucky in the fact that they didn't really have another backup behind it. They are already using their backup to try to, to win a game. And even with the backup, he's, I mean, he threw almost two interceptions um, still through an interception, but also through a dime and overtime to, to, to keep that game. Even um, Bama looked vulnerable against them. Um, I don't know what it was. I mean, uh, Bryce young got sacked seven times. Um, he didn't throw over barely 50% completion rating. He had uh, um under 200 yards throwing there was like maybe a little bit over 200 300 yards of total offense for bama no, um, no because of the four overtime he actually finished with 317 passes okay well going into the fourth quarter yeah, he did he yeah. it took a while to get to three um but still seven sacks and then like like this was the least productive uh alabama offense that we have seen this entire season and now they have to go play the number one defensive team in the country in georgia um that's that that for nick saban i'm concerned like i'm concerned if i'm nick saban um and then so like that that's something that i just want to keep an eye on because we know that we've talked um and last week when we did our awards that the front seven of georgia is is probably one of the best front seven units in college football um getting to the passer and also just holding up the run and if they can't run the ball then their bama's kind of stuck um they also had some injury trouble with some of their running backs too which which i know hurts um another one just wisconsin or uh michigan uh ohio state michigan just ran the ball that's what they did they ran the ball harbaugh kind of went back like they said it in the broadcast harbaugh went back to what he was good at at stanford at uh at san francisco which was you know a balanced offensive attack using play action pass not needing a quarterback that does amazing things but can do good things um and all of the credit to michigan um for everything that they did they they played a hell of a game and you know took an ohio state team that had started to look like it was another really good ohio state team and just absolutely thrashed them. Um, this is the best Harbaugh team since 2016, honestly. Um, it's just clear, and he, well, he by result, this is so far just the best Harbaugh team at Michigan. You know, true, oh, yeah. but, true. But I mean, like, like things he hadn't been able to do before. He beat Penn State, he beat Wisconsin, and he beat Ohio State. The only one kind of that the loss against Michigan State um, is not something to really be frowned upon. I mean, there's still a, a good Michigan State team. Um, and I, but I think that that loss kind of helped them figure out what they needed to do um, because it got towards the end of the half. And I was like, 
that this is going to be rough. We'll see what happens. And I was guy with my dad and he was like, they scored too early. I'm like, they're up by four. They're up by 15 with two minutes left. They need an onside, a touchdown, an onside kick and an extra point and a two point conversion to win. I think we can say that Ohio state lost the game. Um, but that just kind of shows into the mythos of Ohio state being able to win any game. Yeah. So, um, first I'll highlight North Texas is huge upset against UTSA. Texas yeah. Antonio, who did end up winning the conference championship, walked into that game 11 and 0 and ranked 22nd in the nation. And a 5 and 6 North Texas team crushed them 45 to 23. Uh, really just poor showing by the Roadrunners. But um, I, the committee took it into a lot more consideration than I think anybody should. I mean, this is, it was still a one loss Roadrunner team. Um, but Baylor also holding on with their true freshman quarterback with a backup quarterback to beat Texas Tech and earn the possibility of a berth in the Big 12 championship game, only for it to be followed up by Oklahoma State coming from behind to beat uh, Oklahoma heading into the fourth quarter. This game was 33-24 to Oklahoma. Um, Caleb Williams had played great. Uh, uh, Steven Sanders had not – or sorry, Spencer Sanders – really had not played fantastic. He finished the game one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, and heading into that that fourth quarter, he, he hadn't been very effective through the ground game. He hadn't been effective through the passing game. But Oklahoma State held on. And so what this means, and, and I'll get your reaction to this, boys, but walking into the season, who would have guessed that Clemson wouldn't be in the ACC championship game, that Ohio State wouldn't be in the Big Ten championship game, that uh, – uh, shit, there was others – that I had in my head. I can't remember. But just just how ap- – or sorry, that Oklahoma wouldn't be in the Big 12 championship game, that, you know, even just to get into the coaching, that Brian Kelly, with a legitimate chance to make the playoff, depending on the outcome of conference championship week, would leave to go to LSU, that after the loss, um, Lincoln Riley would leave to go to USC. Like, it – even just talking about the coaching changes, who, who genuinely walking into the season would have expected our year heading into conference championship week to end the way that it ended? I mean, it was it's madness at this point, you know? Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that, obviously, but um, I, I loved it. Uh, as we said each week, it's just madness, and we love it in the parody. Um, you know, after having the weird COVID year last year where it's basically only like five games and just you no know, fans in the stands and all that kind of stuff. It was great that we got this kind of year to get back to regular college football. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I talked about this in our preseason for both NFL and college, but it, and I, I think I used it as a putz once. If I haven't, I'm going to use it. Um, but it's just kind of the the, the like things are going to remain the same. Um just because it's that team. So it's like, well, no, Clemson, we, we, we're not going to look at what Clemson or what's happening in Clemson and Bama or Ohio State because all teams that, you know, Clemson's not anywhere near the playoff. Ohio State has like a small percent, but won't probably be making it. And if Bama lose, they can miss out too. All three teams that were like, they all have new quarterbacks. They're all trying to do different things with it. Um, like the, the, these coaches are very good at what they do, but when you lose that much talent, it's hard to to reassess and do things and again if bama wins today they're in like they're in the playoff that's it and they could beat georgia if there's one team that georgia that that could um, in this country that could beat georgia it's probably bama with how good their offense is um but like that that's argument that if bama plays this game competitively 
that if this is they a could make it one to thirty to, to twenty eight game, or realistically like a thirteen to ten football game, that Bama sitting and, and we'll get into the rankings in a second, but that Bama could still make it into that play. Well, and they, I think it depends on how well Oklahoma State plays, uh, yeah. and how and and I mean, and they commit. Yeah, Notre Dame has a chance there too. Um, it's. For me, it's just I think that we need to kind of understand that college football more than the pro- pros, it makes a little bit more sense. But college football more more than any, it's like it's ever evolving. And yes, we're kind of used to it being Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma um, being the four teams. But th- those four teams we've seen every single year, but it wasn't always a sure thing that they'd make the playoff. It wasn't always that like guaranteed. They would just they just happen to be the four best teams by the end of it. Like last year when Oklahoma didn't make the playoff. There were still things that we pointed to that they maybe could have made it as a two-loss team because we did nobody gave them credit to even beat Iowa State in the championship. I know I didn't, and they went out there and did. Um, and like there was the time where Bama lost, like Ohio State lost early in the season and then made it all the way back to go to the playoff. Um, like there's like those there's those things as well. Um, so I I'm a great I am you know happy at the idea of uh uh georgia cincinnati oklahoma state michigan playoff i love that idea i absolutely love it with georgia being the only team that that's already been there and even then georgia was only there once um that makes me happy that that's that's what i like about college football and with all the talks about them expanding seeming to to be pushed back till january i think the pac-12 commissioner called it a mistake um, that it was brought forth in August. Um, like the, the just goes to show that maybe there's still some longevity in this four play, this four team playoff model. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. So let's hop into the rankings just very quickly. Um, we're not going to go through all of them, but just, just realistically like the top, uh, we'll, we'll just do the top nine. Six or seven. Oh, okay. Uh, just because there's enough chaos here that it could absolutely rain. But number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Michigan ends up jumping from five to two with that win against Ohio State. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Cincinnati. So that'd be the playoff as it stands right now. With Oklahoma State at five, Notre Dame at six. Um, Ohio State and, and Ole Miss sitting at seven and eight. But Baylor, who does play today, sitting at nine. Um, so – there's there's a very good chance that the only you know real college football playoff blue blood is, that makes the playoff ends up being Alabama, depending on the outcome of this SEC championship game. But we could very easily have, just as Skyler said, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State make the playoff. We could very easily have it be, depending on how well Baylor plays, depending on some other factors, we might have a Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Baylor playoff game it's still not unheard of that Ohio State could still make the playoff depending on the outcome of this this college football conference championship week. Well, and and something I do have to say is that the committee, and I read this in an article and it made me think, even with everything that's happening in Notre Dame, the committee has shown that they are more willing to give, they are willing to give a one loss Notre Dame team or like an undefeated Notre Dame team more preference over a team that didn't win or didn't play in their conference championship game. So if because I think with I, th- I think with the committee wondering how much turnover there was going to be at Notre Dame, where honestly there's very little. It's just Brian Kelly leaving. All of the assistants are still there. Um, uh, Marcus Freeman's now the head coach, um, which you know, congratulations to him. He seems to have 
he seems to have the administration and the players behind him, which is exactly what you want with a brand new head coach. So I would still say that Notre Dame, if Alabama loses, if Alabama loses badly um, and Oklahoma State doesn't play a good game or they lose, Notre Dame could make it because they would have preference, in my opinion, over a, a, a Baylor team that would still have, what, two losses at that point. Um a Baylor team with two losses, a Bama team that lost the conference championship, and an Ohio State team that didn't make the championship. I would say Notre Dame has preference there. No, absolutely. So, but like I said, the committee did say that uh, coach losses and player losses will be accounted for. So true. But uh, like I saying, said, the group tab, Brian Kelly could cost them a spot just because he left. True. We but, don't know what Marcus Freeman's going to do. He hasn't coached a game yet. True, but 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 also if they do make it. Marcus Freeman still like like they still have all of their assistants. They still have their OC and Tommy Reese and all of his offensive assistants. Marcus yeah. Freeman still has all of his defensive assistants. Um, so it's not like the only piece that's missing from an eleven and one team is the head coach. And again, you can because he took such a CEO approach into how he was coaching this team, where he was more hands off. It was part of the whole thing that helped him get to two playoffs before. You can make an argument for it, and I'm sure somebody in the room will. But we'll see. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Brian Kelly skedaddled so quickly out of South Bend that he left his own daughter at Notre Dame still, you know. So, <laughs> so there, there's a lot that can happen with, with Notre Dame. But let's, let's hop into Conference Championship Week. It's going to kick off with the Big 12 Championship game where number nine ranked Baylor the, the Baylor team I've talked about, I talked about a couple of weeks ago where I said, man, there is a chance that this team can still push through and make it not only into the college football or into the conference championship, but possibly into the college football playoff. And they've done it. And the number nine Baylor Bears are going to take on the number five Oklahoma State Cowboys. This is a rematch from a couple of weeks ago when Oklahoma State won 24 to 14. Now Baylor's starting quarterback, Gary, uh, uh, Gary Bohannon, is questionable. He has been dealing he's with He's out. Is he officially out? I heard that. Yeah, he's officially out now. Okay. So Baylor is going to be led by Blake Shapin, the true freshman. Correct. Started their last game um, where he threw two touchdowns against Texas Tech in that win. Um, with that being said, Baylor with the backup quarterback going up against a dynamic Oklahoma State team, uh, very well balanced and very strong defensively. Um, I'll kick it off. I love chaos, and I love when chaos reigns. I'm going to pick the Baylor Bears. I think that Dave Aranda and this defense has played really, really well. I think they've done everything that you could expect them uh, to do these last couple of weeks. Oklahoma State has looked vulnerable at times. Now, granted, you know, that was against Oklahoma, but then you sit there and say, well, Baylor beat Oklahoma, you know, type thing. And so, you know, you can always look at that. But I love chaos. I love when chaos reigns. I think a backup quarterback is going to walk in with the Baylor Bears. I think Baylor, who averages 227 rushing yards per game, is going to put the game on the back of their absolutely fantastic uh, halfback, Abram Smith, the senior, who's got 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns on the season. This kid is averaging over six carries per yard. I'm taking Baylor to win the Big 12. I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma State. Um I think these teams are very similar um, of what they want to do. They both have really good run defenses and they both have amazing running backs. Um, but if you look at last game, Jalen Warren had 125 yards, two touchdowns and Abram Smith for Baylor was only held, was held under hundred yards and only a touchdown. Um, 
Plus, Spencer Sanders didn't play his best. He threw three picks, but Oklahoma State was still able to find a way and win by double digits. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma State winning the Big 12 and hopefully launch them into college football playoffs. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Oklahoma State. Um, even with San- so say, like Baylor had every opportunity to win that game with Sanders through three interceptions, and they still lost by 10 points. Um, and again, you, they, you could say they were, they were behind going into that fourth quarter by a touchdown. We're able to bring it back, but Oklahoma state pulled away in that quarter. I mean, Baylor was three for 15 on third down. Um, they only had 280 total yards of offense. They had 107 yards of, of rushing um, and Oklahoma state was able to run all over them with 20, with uh, 219 yards. Um, also the penalties uh, killed, killed Baylor. Um so, so it's, it wasn't even just that Oklahoma state, like was, was able, they were just able to do everything better than Baylor could. They could hold them at the rushing, at the, hold them in the rush, cause penalties. And even after turnovers still hold them to only 14, three turnovers still hold them to only 14 points. Now, not having Bohannon. I, I think that that just kind of limits Baylor even more. This is a great team. They've had a great season, but Oklahoma state's just been playing great football recently. So I have to go to the, I have to go to them. Alrighty. So let's head out to the mountain West conference championship where the uh, number 19 ranked 11 and one San Diego state Aztecs will take on the nine and three Utah state Aggies Uh, San Diego state with a uh, kind of a a somewhat lackluster offense in terms of the college football world. This team doesn't average 200 yards passing or rushing, but is very well balanced. Meanwhile, Utah state has a very dynamic offense, but a much worse defense averaging almost 400 yards per game given up. Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Who are you taking, the Aggies or the Aztecs in the Battle of the Mountain West? I'm going to go with the Aggies. Um, San Diego State is having a good year. Um, you know, Brady Hoke has been, you know, willed them to a one-loss year. Um, but they do have one weakness, and that's the pass defense. They're 80th, and they have uh, another great quarterback in uh, Logan Bonner, who's thrown for over 3,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, 10 picks, and they're the 15th uh, best pass offense in college. And I think they're going to exploit that matchup, and Utah State's going to win their conference. I got to go with San Diego State, guys. I mean, they, they're 24 unanswered points in the last game against Boise State. They were able to continuously keep them pinned down. Um, their punter is the best punter in college football. This guy broke the record for most consecutive. He, he had two 80-yard punts in one game and has the record for most punts over 60 yards in a season. This guy is a fucking beast. Um he punted from his own end zone and it went into a touchback. Like this is like, I'm sorry. This is amazing. This guy deserves all of the awards and to be a draft pick. Um, <laughs> like, uh, but, but beyond that, San Diego state has shown through everything that they've been able to just continuously win um, whatever they need from it. Um, I, they, it's not like that they haven't, the only team that was able to beat them was San Diego state earlier this year. Um, and even then it wasn't uh it was still a close game 30 to 20 it was like nobody was able to pull away but after that no other team has scored 30 points on san diego state and i i as as much as utah state is wait who beat san diego state 
Fresno. You said San Diego. Oh, you said San Diego State got beat by San Diego State. Sorry. Yeah. I was confused. Fresno State. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Fresno State was the only team to put up 30 on them. And I, I don't know if Utah can do the same thing. Um, cause it, it will, it will take, it will take a lot for them to be able to, to beat San Diego state. And, and because even if they make a mistake, San Diego state has shown the ability, ability to rally. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Mitch. I'm going to take the Aggies here. There's a couple of reasons for it. One Logan Banner, the quarterback for Utah state is uh, he's just a much better quarterback than what San Diego State is going to field. And San Diego State's strength defensively is their rush defense, but I think Mitch hit it right on the head. Their pass defense is pretty lackluster. Um, the other factor that I think you got to take into consideration is that Utah State is a combined 6-0 and on the road this season. They've played much better on the road or in neutral site games than they have at uh, at home in, in Utah itself. Um San Diego State is a really good team, but this offense has struggled in a lot of ways. And when you're an offense that relies uh, on having a very good punter, yeah, punters can absolutely change the aspects of games. But Utah State has a much more uh, well-balanced offense. Utah State has an offense that is that, that can do a lot, 300 yards to the air, 152 on the ground per game. Um, their defense has issues, but I'm not sold on the San Diego State offense. I'm going to take the Aggies to pull out. I'm sorry. Are we guys, are you guys not seeing that San Diego state puts up 178 yards of rushing offense and that Utah state allows 150 yards of rushing per game? You're right. Either one of you seen that? I'm looking at San Diego state's uh, leading rusher at 949 yards on the season at 4.5 yards per carry. So they do it. Yeah, in a but, lot, but they do it in a lot of different ways. But, but they don't have. But Bell's Bell was injured. Bell was injured for three or four games this season. You're right. You're right. So it's not. It's not that he put up 900 yards over 12 full games. He put up 900 yards in like seven or eight games. You're right, but but even then, then they then they required uh, uh, a committee in order to do it, and I'm I'm just not. But they're still doing it. They're still doing it. Like, it doesn't God, matter if you have... my opinion, damn it. Okay, we'll fine. It. Yeah, gonna... this is the 15th pass offense going against uh, 80th pass defense. Okay, I'm uh, not going to... I'm going to shut up. <laughs> no, Skyler, we'll let you kick off here as the Appalachian State Mountaineers travel uh, to... Does the Sunbelt play a neutral site place? No, they're traveling to Cajun Field in Lafayette, Louisiana to take on... The number 24 ranked 11 and 1 University of Louisiana, Raging Cajuns. Uh, App State coming in at 10 and 2. Um, uh, Louisiana coming in at 11 and 1. Louisiana, who started the season outranked before that early season loss to Texas, um, has won 11 consecutive games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, with that being stated, Skyler, who are you taking, Mountaineers or Raging Cajuns? Um, I. I... Like, there's a special heart place in my heart for Appalachian State. Um, they're a team I always liked in NCAA 14. Um, I know they weren't the ones that beat Michigan, right? Or they were? No, yeah, they beat Michigan. No, that was yeah, that was App State. Now, granted, that was before App State joined the uh, uh, FBS. But, yeah, they were. All the better. All the better. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with App State, honestly. Um 
their offense is, I mean, both offenses are pretty balanced, but App State is able to throw the ball just a little bit better. Um, and the Raging Cajuns defense, uh, it, against specifically rushing teams has struggled. 143 yards allowed rushing per game, um, whereas Appalachian State wants to run the ball, 189 yards of rushing per game. Um, and yeah, Appalachian State's defense is just a little bit better. It's, again, two very similar teams that want to do two very similar things. It's just Appalachian State just does it a little bit better. Um, I can see them keeping keeping them from running the ball. Um, uh, and uh, I, I just think Appalachian State can get the upside here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with Skyler. I'm going to go with App State. Um, these two teams played each other earlier this season. It was a 41-13 to 13 blowout for the Raging Cajuns. But Appalachian State, the last three games, their defense has given up 7 points, 7 points, 3 points. Their offense has put up 31 points, 45, and 27. When I look at similar games these teams have played, Louisiana Monroe took Louisiana, took the Raging Cajuns to the wire, 21-16. to 16. App State blew them out, 59-28. Appalachian State, both of these teams have, in my mind, very negligible uh, defenses. I think their defenses are built in very similar ways. Uh, the, the main difference being that the Raging Cajuns are much worse against the run than App State is. But App State's offense is better. App State has a better offense. They have a slightly better defense. They score more points on average, and they give up just about the same amount of points. I'm taking the Mountaineers to win the Sun Belt. Yeah, I'm going to go with App State as well. Um, I think it'll be close just because it's Billy Napier's last game as head coach for Louisiana. Um, but there's a couple of mismatches that I think play in App State's favor. Um, one, App State has a really solid running back in Nate Noel. He's got over 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. So low on the scoring side, but he's averaging almost six yards per carry. And Louisiana's, you know, 47th. So, you know, good, but not great. And then – uh, App State is 15th in the nation in defense, and Louisiana's 69th. So I think App State's going to get this. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the big boys. Georgia, the number one ranked team in the nation, a perfect 12 and 0 on the season, will be hosting. Uh, well, it's it's a it's a uh, conference championship game that's played in uh, where is it? The Atlanta Stadium in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, Georgia's basically going to be hosting, but uh, it is a neutral site game when they play the 11 and one number three ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Georgia 12 and 0 perfect on the season. Alabama 11 and one. Their lone loss coming in that uh, last second field goal against Texas A&M. Um, Thank you. Two, Thank you, Texas A&M. Yeah, two, two teams that are averaging over 40 points per game offensively, uh, averaging under 20 points per game defensively, but Georgia's averaging less than a touchdown given up per game. 6.9 points per game. Now, that's actually not the lowest of any SEC team walking into the conference championship game. But it, does anybody know the correct answer to the lowest uh, defense or the lowest points per game given up by a defense into an SEC championship game? I'm going to guess LSU 2019. Ooh, close. No. You got the school right, not the year. Oh, uh, LSU. Uh... Nick Saban here. Yeah, the Nick Saban year, or no, no, uh, 2007? Nope. It was a Tyron Matthew-led uh, Oh, my God. Losing 2011 LSU. Oh, that gave you're up right. Less than 6.9 points per game. Had you know that game? Remember, that was, was the that, LSU. Was that the, 
That was the year that LSU beat Alabama in the regular season in that nine to six field six. goal kicking, just yeah. insane football game. Only to then lose the national championship to Alabama twenty one to nothing. So, yeah. um, that's there's a little fun fact for you. Uh, Bryce Young, easily a Heisman favorite, but so is everybody who plays football on Georgia's defense. Um, <laughs> They're all Heisman. De- the, the, the Heisman committee is is thinking of just giving it to the defense. <laughs> Honestly, if the Heisman committee came out and said we're just going to give it to the Georgia defense, I don't think anybody would have an issue with that. I think uh, nobody if, would I think be like, if each of those guys got a Heisman trophy. Um, it would be it 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 would be fitting. Um, with that being stated, I'm going to take Alabama. No, I'm not. No, fuck that shit. I'm taking Georgia. Um, Georgia's offense has just clicked these last couple of weeks. This was a Georgia offense that I had my eye on. I wasn't sure if they were really up to the up to the the standard that was going to be needed. And that's been my issue with Georgia offenses these last couple of years is that defensively, this is always a very good team, but offensively, issues at the quarterback position, some real talent in all of the skill positions, but never enough execution for it to count. But I have to eat my own words here. Georgia has played absolutely fantastic. They've dominated the SEC uh, 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 competition this entire season. I think they're going to come out and do the same thing. I think Alabama is going to be able to keep it close. Bryce Young is a Heisman favorite for a reason. Nick Saban is one of the greatest coaches in college football history for a reason. But even Nick Saban has to lose some. I think he lo- he finally loses to an assistant, in, uh, former assistant in Kirby Smart. And I think Georgia powers its way into uh, the number one overall uh, ranking for that college football playoff. I'm going with Uga and the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm going with Georgia as well. Um, man, would it be something for Nick Saban, who never lost to assistants, to lose to two assistants in the same year? I was just saying. Um, <laughs> it'd be amazing. But I think there's two um, things that really uh, are favorable to Georgia. One, uh, Georgia is ranked 24th in red zone offense, while Bama's ranked 95th in red zone defense. Um, so Georgia has the, you know, is going to have a great day in the red zone, and they're getting a guy in George Pickens back, who was supposed to be a top five uh, wide receiver before he got hurt. Um, now that he's had some time to heal and he's already had some game action, I think that's going to make an, an already solid offense a lot better. Yeah, for I mean. You just have to look at what, like both of these teams' last three, uh, SEC championship or SEC games. Bama's played Auburn, Arkansas, and LSU. In all three of those games, they were able to win by a possession. LSU twenty to fourteen, Arkansas forty-two to thirty-five, Auburn twenty-four to twenty-second, taking four overtimes. Whereas Georgia cre- destroys Tennessee. Uh, 41 to 17 destroys Missouri 43 to six and destroys a Florida team that took Bama to three points at 34 to seven. Like, and then couple that with, you know, not even a touchdown a game and 78 yards of rushing allowed per game that, that that's what Bama wants to do. Bama's averaging 150 yards of rushing every game. And if you can limit that and couple that with, you know, the offensive line trouble that they've had the last they had against uh, Auburn, the running back trouble they had against Auburn, where you're having like your third and fourth string running back in the game trying to run the ball against one of the best defensive lines in college football, if not the best defensive line in college football. 
everything, everything is pointing towards Georgia winning this game, but it's just like Ohio State. Something in the back of your head is just going, Bama could win this game. I'm still going to go with Georgia. Georgia has been my team since the beginning. I said that they are worthy of the number one spot in the preseason. They have proved me right that they are worthy of this number one spot, and now they just got one more game, and I hope, I am hoping against everything in my body that they can do that today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Mitch, why don't you kick us off here for the American Athletic Conference Championship when the number 21 ranked uh, 11 and 1 Houston Cougars head to Nippert Stadium to take on the 12 and 0 number four ranked team in the nation, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke Fickle has just made a powerhouse out of that program his last couple of years. Um, I, I think to the level that Scott Frost did with, with central Florida, it's been astonishing. The ter- I mean, even more to a level than Scott Frost did with central Florida. Um, yeah, it's no, been much better. What he's done with the Bearcats here, but Houston, Houston isn't back. Much down. better than what this Scott is, Frost did. Scott Frost took a losing team, like never won in how many years to, you know, yeah, but this is a nine ten wins. So this is a consistently good Cincinnati team. But anyways, continue. But uh, but this is uh, Dana Holgerson and the Cougars aren't backing down. This is a very good Houston team that has gotten better these last couple of weeks. And unlike most Dana Holgerson teams that we saw at West Virginia, this Houston team has a defense and actually has a pretty good defense. But Cincinnati is a class all of its own. So Mitch, why don't you lead us off? Do the Bearcats hold on to uh, to clinch a berth in the college football playoff, or are you taking the Cougars in an upset? I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. Uh, you know, winning their champ their conference championship and holding on to a playoff spot. Um, when you look at offensively and defensively rankings, they're very similar teams, which is gonna make it fun. Um, but I think two things uh, play in the Cincinnati's favor. One, you know, they're playing for that. Sh- uh, football playoff spot um and i think that they know if they don't show up and you know lose to houston uh it's gonna make it probably worse for other teams uh like like them to get to this spot again um because they've been proven to be wrong showing that they belong but if they were to lose to houston i think they would set things back so they're fighting for a lot in this game today um and I think it's going to come down to the quarterback position. You know, Desmond Ritter and Clayton Toon have been the two best uh, quarterbacks in their conference. But according to PFF, I think for the last three or four weeks, Desmond Ritter has been the highest graded quarterback um, in college football. So he's pointing it around on at the right time. And I think he's going to lead them to a conference championship. Yeah, I these teams are very, very similar. Um, both. Cincinnati has the better offense. I, I think that's just kind of where it is. Houston does have the better defense. In total defense, Houston is sixth, while Cincinnati is eighth. So it's these teams are like right here next to each other on defense. But I think that there's a couple of things that need to be taken into consideration because you can't just look at total defense and be like, Houston's better because Houston has allowed more um, opposing team touchdowns at 30, whereas Cincinnati is only allowed 23. Um, they're allowing more uh, yards per play at 4.65 versus Cincinnati's 4.29. And also Cincinnati has a, a better opposing uh, opposing team's points per game, where it's at 15, whereas Houston's at 18. So even if Cincinnati is allowing more yards, it's a bend, don't break defense. This is exactly what Luke Fickle's defense has always been. How many times have we been sitting here going, 
well, Cincinnati is losing right now. And then uh, Sauce Gardner or Kobe Bryant gets a pick and the game has totally changed. His defense is opportunistic. They they are going to find ways in order to keep this game, like hold on to this game. I think it's going to be a very similar game to Georgia Cincinnati last year. But in this case, they don't have a JT Daniels. They don't have the skill players on offensive side of the ball um, that can that can go up against these def- defensive backs in these corners, which are the best part of the Cincinnati team. So you're asking, it, it, it's going to be, it honestly could be the best championship game we get this weekend. Um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati because I just see that there's, that they're, they might not have the best defense, but they have a good defense at the, at the points that matter and keeping t- opposing teams from scoring touchdowns in a very touchdown happy um, American athletic conference. And they're able to l- limit just points in total on the board. Whereas a uh, Houston is just a little worse on both of those. You guys gave some really good rationales. Um, but he's going with Houston. He's going with Houston. I'm going to lean into the chaos reigns aspect of the college football world this year. There's a couple of there's a couple of things I like about Houston. Um, their their quarterback Clayton tuned 14 touchdowns, two interceptions in his last five games. If you want to compare that to Desmond Ritter, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions in his last five games. Um, Houston is total touchdowns or just throwing touchdowns. That's just passing touchdowns. That's just passing okay. touchdowns. Um, uh, Houston is just as good offensively and really just as good defensively as Cincinnati is. Houston's only blemish on the season was an opening uh, opening season loss to Texas Tech, which was ugly, but this team has won 11 straight games. This team has taken on the same competition that Cincinnati has, and in some ways they've struggled, right? Cincinnati blew out SMU. Uh, Houston it, it went a little bit more down to the wire there. Um, but this is a Houston team that runs the ball exceptionally well and is a lot better against the run than Cincinnati is. Um, Cincinnati is a team that relies very heavily on their running offense, whether that's Desmond Ritter who's running the ball um, or an absolutely fantastic halfback in Jerome Ford. I love that kid, 17 touchdowns on the year. He's been a monster. If Houston can size up, if Houston can bed those trenches down and push Cincinnati back, if they can force the Cincinnati offense to become one-dimensional, they can take Ford out of the running game, if they can limit uh, Ritter and his ability to use his feet, Houston's got a real chance. And Cincinnati has had these moments throughout this year, right? We saw back-to-back weeks with one-possession wins against a team that had one win walking into the season for Cincinnati. Like, it's Cincinnati has had issues this season when a team is able to toughen up and pop Cincinnati in the mouth. I think Houston can do it. I'm going to pick the Cougars to spoil the Bearcats' season because, guys, realistically, group of five doesn't make the playoff. It just doesn't happen, and I'm going to lean into the fact that it doesn't happen. So, chaos reigns, and Houston pulls I would, off the I Cincinnati would... win. I would just like to point out just one little caveat. To, what did I said that same rationale last week about Michigan? Uh no. Oh. That both that Cincinnati did play Notre Dame and held Notre Dame to under I believe under a hundred yards rushing, and that's a team that averages 150 yards of rushing per game. And so they it did it at Notre Dame, which is astonishing. And they did it at Notre Dame. So it's like so it's like, yeah, maybe they allow a little bit more rushing, but they've played they did better play a, a better rushing team <laughs> than Houston has seen all year. Than no Houston doubt. is, yeah, no doubt, one hundred percent, no doubt. That's again, that's a valid, that's a valid point. You guys, because, because, and and that's and that's like the Nebraskan in me because it's like, yeah, it's in Nebraska, is Nebraska like forty third in rushing defense? Absolutely, we are. But do we also hold the leading rusher in FBS to sixty yards total rushing in a game? Yes, we did. So it's like. <laughs> 
you get you gotta pick and choose. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fairly really confident. I mean, and I know that their rushing numbers are skewed because I think when they played Navy, Navy didn't pat, didn't throw the ball like at all. Yeah, they did. They, they only they ran, no. ran the ball. So, Navy doesn't. So obviously, yeah, Navy doesn't pass. Obviously, number, numbers get skewed. There, but let's move on to the Big Ten championship game that absolutely fucking nobody thought was gonna happen. Uh, where we'll have Skyler kick it off here. Oh uh, God. With I think right, Mitch started the last one, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where the number two ranked eleven and one Michigan Wolverines, lone loss on the year, that road loss at Michigan State, will uh, uh, their first appearance in the conference championship game since its inclusion will take on the number thirteen ranked ten and two Iowa Hawkeyes, who have losses to uh, Wisconsin on the season, and who was the other one? Was it Illinois or Purdue? Wisconsin and Purdue on the season. Um, Iowa squeaked into the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin had to lose for Iowa to make it. Wisconsin lost, and Iowa got in. Uh, Michigan rightfully earned its way into the Big Ten championship game. Skyler, Wolverines, Hawkeyes, Kirk Ferentz versus uh, John Harbaugh. Wait, wait. Is it John? Jim. Jim. God damn it. I fucking always fuck that shit up. So, <laughs> Harbaugh versus Ferentz. We have a guy on the hot seat in Harbaugh who, you know, there's 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 even grumbles that if they don't win this conference championship game, then he might not receive his job. Um, no, I think he's safe. He's, he's safe fucking now. stupid. He's safe. Yeah, he beat Ohio State. He's safe now. I'm not now. saying it's my opinion. I'm saying it's what I've been hearing. Versus the yeah, from your thoughts. Tenured, yeah, exactly. From my own tweets. Versus the longest tenured head coach in college football right now, Kirk Ferentz. Now, Iowa has been to the conference championship before when they lost to a Michigan State team that eventually made the college football playoff, only for them to get whooped by Alabama. And Iowa proceeded to get absolutely annihilated by a Christian McCaffrey-led Stanford team. So, Skyler, Wolverines, Hawkeyes, who you taking? Taking the Wolverines <laughs> um, for for many different reasons. Uh, Michigan, like as good as Iowa's defense is, Michigan's defense is better. <laughs> I don't know how it is, but it just it's like statistically it's about the same. But it's like when you look at what Michigan's defense is able to do versus what other defenses have been able to do, it's just. But besides that hiccup against, um, Michigan against Michigan State, they've continued. They they kept Nebraska under thir- uh thirty points. They kept Ohio State under thirty points. Um, even with Ohio State having to score a touchdown there at the end for them to get to twenty seven, um. They, I, I have to minimize. Thank you. Um, kept Penn State under 30 points. Uh, and even like even that Michigan State game, it it like they were under 30 points for a vast majority of that of that like second half where Michigan was running away with it and then they fucked up towards that. Um, and and I just have to point out, Iowa's allowing more yards than they're gaining in a game. Mm-hmm. They're not even averaging 300 yards of total offense but they're allowing 315 yards on defense like it's like as good as this iowa defense is their their offense is just not good it's not it is nowhere it needs to be and you're going up against aiden hutchinson and some of the best defensive backs in that in that big 10 you're not going to get things done um i i have to go with michigan if iowa pulls off this win i will be vast like i will genuinely be upset (laughs) Um, I, I, now, Mitch, I think you've got the numbers pulled up, but what does Iowa's offense actually rank in terms of total yards? Their total offense is ranked 123rd. And that's out of total offense. That's out of total 100, offense is 123rd. But that's out of 123 teams. 130. 
131. So yeah, so they're about dead last. So they're 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 about yeah they're about dead last. Um, the only the only phase of this football game that I think Iowa has a clear advantage over Michigan State might be in special teams. Um, but Iowa, because because Iowa does have a really good punt and kick returner. Um, <laughs> they do. They but, do. But that's they that's, do. That's about it. I mean, I mean, I'm going back. I'm going back to the old John Madden quote when you got two quarterbacks gotten on, and whether it's Petrus or Padilla, that's, that was good. that's getting the majority of the snaps for Iowa. This is an Iowa team that has struggled. Worked against Nebraska. This is an Iowa team that has yeah. It's worked against Nebraska. This is this is an Iowa team that has struggled to run the ball. This is an Iowa team that has struggled to pass the ball. They've hit a few big downfield shots all season, but but this is just a better Michigan team offensively and defensively. Uh, McNamara is better than anybody Iowa is going to field at the quarterback position. Haskins and and Corum are better than anybody Iowa is going to field at that position. Um, Iowa has a strong offensive line, but we've seen Iowa get manhandled. We saw Iowa get they absolutely did. They handled did. by Wisconsin, 27-7, to 7, not too long ago. And even then, Iowa shouldn't have beat Minnesota. Iowa probably shouldn't have beat Illinois, and they definitely shouldn't have beat Nebraska. This is an Iowa team that unfortunately does not deserve to be in this Big Ten championship game. But the more that I say that in the back of my head, I'm like, they're going to win. They're going to win. I'm going to take the Wolverines to hold it out, but I swear to Christ, if Harbaugh loses this game, um, Brady's going to laugh his way. I'm going to, I'm going to laugh my way into, into Ann Arbor. I'm going to, I am going to, to, it's going to be so goddamn funny. If after all this hype, Michigan and Harbaugh blow it against, against like, let's just be honest guys. It's the worst 10 and two football team in college football, but you still have to respect that it's a 10 and two college football team. I'm going to take the Wolverines to win. Do I though? Since it's Iowa, do I have to respect it? I think you have to respect the record, but you don't have to respect the team. You I don't. respect everything but the punting. Everything kicker, kicker. Everything oh, sorry, kicker. Kick returning and the punt returning. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously, Michigan. You know, it's a top fifteen defense. Then Michigan going against one of the worst offenses in college football. So easy matchup. I think they can blow them out. Alrighty, so then the ACC championship game. Boys, we're not having Clemson play in this one. So Christmas miracle. Instead, we are going to get the number 15 ranked 10 and 2 Pitt Panthers, uh, led by two glove Kenny Pickett as they travel to Raleigh, North Carolina. Sorry, Charlotte, North Carolina, to take on the 10 and 2 number 16 ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons. This is another one that I don't think anybody walking into the season would have sat there and said, yeah, the ACC championship game is going to be Wake Forest versus Pitt. Like, the fuck is that about? But that's where we're at. Clemson isn't in it. Both these teams have 10 wins on the year. Uh, Wake Forest has two losses against ACC opponents, but one of them counts as a non-conference game for some stupid fucking reason, so whatever. Um, So with that being stated, uh, who kicks us off? Oh, I kick us off. Um, You. I... I'm going to take Pitt. Uh, Two Glove Kenny Pickett has been playing absolutely fantastic. And Pitt is just a better team. Offensively, they're better. And defensively, they are astronomically better than what Wake Forest feels. The Wake Forest defense is giving up 427 yards per game, including 200 passing and 200 rushing. And while this is a Pitt team that their focus isn't on running the ball, they still average 157 rushing yards per game. Um, 
the wide receivers that Kenny Pickett has at his disposal, you can make a very strong argument that Addison and Wayne could both be first-round picks in these upcoming years. These two kids for Pitt have played absolutely fantastic. Jared Wayne um, has played really well. But um, Jordan Addison, 85 catches, 1,353 yards, 17 touchdowns on the season. He's averaging nearly 16 yards per reception. But this is also a uh, Pittsburgh team that has a really good three-headed monster at the halfback position combined about 1,500 yards and 14 total rushing touchdowns. Kenny Pickett has added four rushing touchdowns to go with his 40 passing touchdowns on the season. Puts him tied for second. He's fifth in, in college football for yards. He's eighth for QBR. Pitt is just a better football team. Panthers win the ACC. I'm going to go with uh, Wake Forest, Steaming Deacons. Um, Pitt is a good team, obviously, but so is Wake Forest. I mean, we're talking about Kenny Pickett and, and the season that he's having and should he be considered for Heisman. But Sam Hartman's also having a great season, almost has 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns, 10 picks. Um, but I think the reason why they could get it, an upset um, is because Sam Hartman is leading the 11th pass offense um, and Pitt in pass defense, 112th. Um, so I think they can exploit that matchup. I have to break this tie. I don't want to. Can I say a tie? Can they tie? <laughs> Damn it. You can't tie in a conference championship game. Would you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> God. Clemson comes down from the top. Bro, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with wait. It's North Carolina. State. Um, I'm going to go with Wake Forest. Um, I love what Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh is doing, and they really could win this game. Um, but I also thought that again about Michigan State and then Michigan State against Ohio State, and then I forgot that Michigan State can't defend the pass to save their life. Um, neither can Pittsburgh. Um, Wake Forest can throw the ball amazingly, and they have a better pass defense than um, – than Pittsburgh. Uh, they're only allowing 217 yards of passing a game. And yes, you can look at what Pittsburgh is allowed to do against the running game where they're allowing like 78-ish yards a game and rushing. But compared to, for- compared to 200, you're right. You're right. But both of these teams want to throw the ball. That's what they want to do. That's what they're designed to do. And Wake Forest can defend against Kenny Atkinson unlike what uh, Pittsburgh can do against the many wake wide receivers and tight ends that they have available. Um, wake Forest is a more balanced attack. So they're, they can allow for one part of their offense to kind of simmer down because they have another part of their offense that is good. Pittsburgh is much more of a passing team. They need to win through passing and Wake Forest can face them that way. So I'm also going to go with Wake Forest and Brady's probably going to be right. Like he always is. Um, Wasn't right about Georgia. No, 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 no. Don't say that yet. Don't say that. Georgia still has a fucking game to play. Because you know what? If Georgia doesn't win the national championship game, I'm going to claim that I was right. So, um, so Mitch, why? No. But if Georgia wins the national championship, no, 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 no. Because Mitch, Mitch, I have to, I have to let, I have to let you know how our relationship works. Even if I'm right, 16 of 17 weeks, if he's right that last week, he's right the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was many years where it was like, oh, Nebraska had a better record than Wisconsin. Oh, but but did 
Did they win the Rose Bowl? Did they win their bowl game? Did they win their bowl game? Oh, they didn't win their bowl game. Did they beat Wisconsin? Oh, oh no. Did they beat Wisconsin? Oh, no. Oh, did they beat Wisconsin? Oh, no. So, let's, let's move on over to the NFL side. Playoff race. Wait, we still got one more. Wait, which one? No, we, we're, the Mac one. Yeah, Mac. Oh, sorry. I've got I've got it pulled up as top 25, not FBS. Um, <laughs> so, yes, the Mac championship game as the uh, Kent State Golden Flashes will take on the uh, Northern Illinois Huskies. Um, I have to look at this because I just did not pay attention. Let me go first since um, it's my turn anyways. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So yeah, Kent State, Northern Illinois, the former Badger Bowl, and Kent State is a for head coach is a former Badger player, and Northern Illinois head coach is um, our former running backs coach who coached Monty Ball, Melvin Gordon, James White, all those guys. Um, I'm gonna go with Kent State though. Um, they're both similar teams. They're both top five in rushing offense, um, and they both have shitty defenses. Um, but I think Kent State's gonna get it just because their running backs a little bit better. Marsh Kez Cooper. Over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5 yards per carry. And Northern Illinois' run defense is 120th. So I think Kent State um, gets wins their conference in the MAC. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Northern Illinois. I like what they've been able to put up there. Um, if you this – is, this is a good coach in what they've had. This is the same Northern Illinois coach that, you know, was able to beat – uh, Nebraska under Mike Riley, which, you know, just kind of makes me upset. I also have it under top 25, so I have to change that real quick. <laughs> um, one sec. Yeah, um, they they just have – they. I mean, I, offensively, Kent State is just better at every other kind of uh, direction, but I think that, honestly, with two teams that aren't the best defensively, I think Northern Illinois can scoot it, just eke it out a little bit more. Um, specifically because the uh, Kent State is allowing 291 yards passing, and Northern Illinois through play action pass could probably take advantage of that. So I'm going to go with Northern Illinois. Um, I'm going to pick Kent State for one name and one name alone, Dustin Crump. This dude, if you have not watched this kid play, man, he is a he's a hell of an athlete playing out there for Kent State. Their quarterback, he has a career five to one touchdown to interception ratio. This season, 65% completion rating, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions passing. But he's added on 565 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. This kid is one of the most dynamic scrambling quarterbacks I have seen in a long time when I've caught some Kent State football games. He's a senior who's incredibly effective. The offense runs through him. Um, Northern Illinois has issues. They're just coming off of a 42 to 21 loss against Western Michigan. Meanwhile, Kent State won four of the last five to get into this conference championship game. Um, I'm taking the Golden Flashes to win the the uh, MAC. Um, Wait, D- Dustin Crumb isn't that the seeker for Bulgaria? Yeah, no, yeah, right. right? Um, oh wait, no, sorry, no, sorry. Dustin Crumb, next <laughs> New England wide receiver. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the next yeah. coming from uh, Nick Saban and Julian Edelman's alma mater. Um, so, Flash. Heading, heading over to the uh-huh. NFL. Um, Savior the universe. Do, do, do. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So We're it done. Starts, it starts with our three uh, Thanksgiving. And also, by the way, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, it starts with our three Thanksgiving games where the, uh, the home team loses all three games as the Chicago Bears beat the Lions 16 to 14. The Raiders helped by 200 plus penalty yards against the Cowboys. 
win in overtime, oh, yeah. 36 to 33, and the Bills annihilate the Saints. Uh, the season then picked up on Sunday when the Bengals destroyed the Steelers. Uh, the uh, Buccaneers eke out a win against the Colts. Uh, Panthers get absolutely annihilated by a Dolphins team that look out everybody, but they've won like five straight five straight games. Um, Who have they played though? <laughs> winning is winning is winning, right? Um, you're right. You're right. <coughs> speaking of, they played the Citadel four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they played uh, Wofford. Um, so uh, the Patriots hold on, or sorry, the Patriots absolutely crush the Titans 36 to 13 and move ever closer to that number one overall seed in the AFC. The Giants eke out a win against the Eagles. Uh, Falcons hold off the Panthers. Uh, Houston is uh, heartbroken by the Jets. Uh, Broncos have won a couple straight games against, uh, with a win against the Chargers. The Rams look abysmal in their showing against the Packers, a very beaten and bloody Packer team. Um, takes on a Rams team coming out of a bye week and wins. Uh, the 49ers beat the Vikings behind Kirk Cousins lining up behind the wrong player to get the snap. Um, <laughs> Ravens hold off the Browns. And in another Monday night shit show, uh, the Washington football team holds off the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is now 3-8 and eight on the season. So uh, taking a look at last week, as well as the Thursday night game that was played this week in which we all picked the Cowboys as they beat the Saints, uh, what kind of stood out last week in the in the uh, professional football world? I got to go with my home team, the Packers-Rams game. Um, you know, all week we had to hear about, you know, how the Packers were going to lose just because, you know, it's Aaron Donald and Devon Miller and Jalen Ramsey on the other side and Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. How are they going to do it without, uh, you know, Elton Jenkins and blah, blah, blah. And they pulled it out in very uh, dominant fashion, I think. Um kind of like uh, last year's game. Um, Aaron Rodgers was able to need what he did. A.J. Dillon played fantastic in relief of uh, Aaron Jones. And Devontae Adams was Devontae Adams. And the defense was stellar as usual. You know, Razul Douglas getting a pick six and so on and so forth. Uh, Adrian Amos slamming the running back down on fourth and uh, short was awesome to see. Um, I feel really good about my team uh, heading into a bye week. I'm really excited to see uh, – you know, if this is Aaron Rodgers last year, uh, what he does in his farewell uh, tour. I mean, I just I got to talk about it again. This 13 of the 16 AFC teams can still make the playoffs. And, and realistically, so yeah, realistically, all 16 NFC teams can, but real, like, 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 truthfully, they could, but. Six, 14 of the 16 NFC teams can, can make it. I'll include the Bears in there. I don't think Seattle. Seattle's the one where I'm like, I don't know. Did, Not the way they've guys, been playing. Did you guys know that the Lions have less of a chance to make the playoffs than the Avengers did of beating Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> Who calculated those odds? <laughs> it's like... It's like uh, the Avengers beating Thanos is like one in like 14,605,000 or something, right? And the Lions to make the playoffs is like one in 800 million chances. Wait, wait, did, wait, did Vegas come up with those odds? Vegas came up with those odds, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I, I want to be in the room when Vegas is talking about Thanos versus the Avengers and how to come up with the odds for that. I'd um, love to be in yeah. that room. Well, well Dr. But Strange I, says what the odds are, where he's like, they're like, they're like, how many did you see? He's like 14,605,000. Like, how many did we win? One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah that's, he says the odds. They get the soothsayer in so that they can figure out what the chance is for the Lions to win the game. And I sent the boys what what would actually have to happen yeah. 
for that to happen and maybe we'll read it off but it's it's extensive yeah so like and i just have like there's a couple streaking teams like cincinnati new england have both been playing great football cincinnati i mean you destroyed two of your division like the two better in division opponents 41 to 17 respectively in two different games um good for you uh the i mean you still have the, they they still have to play the browns once they still have to play the uh, ravens once but it's looking good for them they possibly could win the division and seven and four i i did not think that this is the team we were going to be getting um buffalo has cooled down a lot um because new england has taken sole possession uh sole possession of the afc east title um and they play this week in an actually good monday night football game um but like you have the Chargers, the the Raiders, the the Broncos, um, are all right there. Uh, Colts are still on the outside looking in. Um, Cleveland's there. Miami, who's been winning four of their last like five, is right there in the hunt too. So I mean, it it could be really anybody on the AFC side. And on the NFC side, we keep seeing like the big teams lose. We we saw, uh, um, well, I mean, this week Dallas just won this last game, but like Dallas has struggled in recent weeks. Uh, Los Angeles has struggled in recent weeks. Uh, Tampa Bay has struggled in recent weeks, and it's continuing. Continuing, whereas like San Francisco, Washington, and Minnesota have continuously, continuously been streaking. Washington's in the playoffs now. If you look at it, they're they're the seventh seed, and this is a Washington team that we looked at the beginning of the season. Their defense was defunct. They couldn't do anything that they needed to, and their defense has been able to build back to where it was. And Taylor Heineke, credit to him has been playing great football um so i don't know what to make we're there's five games left in the season and i still do not know what the seeds are going to look like and if you ask me to predict the divisions i wouldn't know um and i know that's what brady's going to be doing here soon he's going to ask us to predict the division winners and i'm not going to be able to do it <laughs> I, that's what I, I thought about doing it. i was like hey guys let's predict how this how this plays out i'm like no we're just going to do a quick check-in uh, see where everything lies right now. But Skyler brings up a good point. Washington has crawled their way back into a possible playoff race, and they actually still have to play the Cowboys twice this season. So the idea of them maybe catching a couple of breaks and winning that NFC East isn't out of the picture, though it's it's pretty slim given the Cowboys' last win against the Saints. Um, I yeah. want to talk about I want to talk about that Ravens Browns game. Um, despite four interceptions by Lamar Jackson, the Ravens win that game because the Browns just have no offense. They have yeah. no offense. I mean, Baker Mayfield, take it for what it's worth. You know, you can say, oh, well, he's just been playing like horse shit. But the dude is, has fucking every, every bone in his body seems broken at this point. Yeah. yeah. He's, taken, he's taken an absolute beating. This was a Browns team famous for its ability to run the ball. 17 carries, 40 total yards in that game. Their longest run was nine yards by Kareem Hunt. They were just massively ineffective on offense. Their defense has played well, but when you get four interceptions and you can't turn those into points, it's it's just astonishing. And you know what? The Ravens win another game that they shouldn't win that's going to help them on the, on the stat sheet. You know, it's going to help them in terms of the playoff race, but just, again, is a huge red flag for, I think, anybody putting much faith into the Ravens. This is a team that has struggled offensively and defensively in a lot of ways. They're winning games. There's no doubt about that. But we've also seen that they don't have a great ability to adjust. Um, but then Skyler kind of alluded to it, Minnesota and San Francisco. Their matchup this week was huge. Uh, yeah, San Francisco it was walked big. in, walked in uh, five and five. Uh, Minnesota walked in five and five. And 
San Francisco holds on for a 34 to 26 win. And while it, it doesn't necessarily help them in terms of playoff race, in terms of trying to catch up with, uh, with the Cardinals uh, or even the Rams to, to try to take the NFC West crown, it's a huge win as we get to the end of the season and we start talking about those wild card tiebreakers. Because that win over Minnesota, a team that looks to kind of stay in that wild card area, um, is absolutely massive. But then we also have to talk about the uh, the resurgent career of Cam Newton falls completely flat on its fucking face in Miami oh. when he goes a combined five of twenty one for ninety two yards and two interceptions against the Dolphins. Um, and, and and like I said, there, boys, don't look now, but the Dolphins have won uh, four consecutive games and are sitting at five and seven. Obviously, still on the outside looking in, but. It's something very oh, yeah. intriguing yeah, to, to take a look at. So let's very quickly take a look at the playoff picture as it stands right now. We're going into the back third of the season now. In the one seed is that Baltimore Ravens team at 8-3, followed by the Patriots at 8-4, the Titans at 8-4, and, and the Chiefs at 7-4. Those are your division winners. In the wild card, we have the Bengals coming in at the number five seed, the Bills at the number six, and the Chargers at the number seven. With the Raiders, Broncos, uh, and uh, Raiders, Broncos, Colts, Steelers, and Browns all realistically one win and one loss by one of those teams away from getting into that playoff. Um, and Miami's not too far behind them at five and seven. So all of those teams, uh, 13 teams in the AFC, like Skyler said, have a realistic shot of making the playoffs right now. Um, Moving over to the NFC, the Cardinals, who even though they haven't had Kyler Murray since week eight, are still nine and two and the number one seed in the NFC, followed by Green Bay at nine and three, Tampa Bay at uh, eight and three, and Dallas now at eight and four, with the Rams uh, starting off the wild card seeding at uh, seven and four, followed by the 49ers at six and five, and the Washington football team at five and six, with uh, Minnesota, Atlanta, uh, uh, both also at five and six, Philadelphia at five and seven with Carolina and the Saints as well. So all of those teams are in it. Technically, so are the Giants and the Bears. But then again, so technically are the Detroit Lions. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. But let's uh, let's look ahead to this week of the NFL world. We'll start off with our picks here as the eight and three Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to uh, Atlanta to take on the five and six uh, Falcons who are and have been struggling these last couple of weeks. I'll start it off. This one is fairly easy for me. I'm taking Tampa Bay to win this game. Um, Atlanta is just, they're just a bad team. They're just a bad, inconsistent football team. Um, and Tom Brady is going to annihilate them. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay is going to roll, roll them. Um like Brady said, Atlanta is not a really good team right now. I think they need to start, you know, get rid of Matt Ryan and start the new era because um, they really have no offense when Cordell Patterson's not there. I mean, this is still a team that's five and six and looking at the playoffs. Uh, like this isn't this isn't a bad team, but I agree. Without Cordell Patterson, it's there. There's no rushing attack, and their defense is better than it used to be, but still not nearly good enough. Yeah, low bar. Um, yeah, it's still it's still low bar. Um, Tampa Bay's offense is still consistently good. Uh, the one thing that does concern me is they're not averaging 100 yards rushing per game for Tampa Bay. Um, that is concerning, especially when you're looking at their losses to Washington and New Orleans. It's because they can't run the ball. Um, and, but you can't. You don't need to. You can throw the ball all over this Atlanta um, Atlanta defense, and it will get you wherever you need to need to go. I'm also taking Tampa Bay. Yeah, 
Alrighty, uh, so then, Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Who are you taking? Uh, Arizona at Chicago. The Cardinals, uh, again, 9-2 and two on the season. Kyler Murray is a game-time decision as to whether or not he'll play, but Colt McCoy has been playing very well for the Cardinals. Um, are are going to head to Soldier Field to take on the 4-7 and seven Chicago Bears, who finally won last week against the Lions after losing, I think, five consecutive games, five or six consecutive games. So, Mitch, who are you taking, uh, Arizona or Chicago? I'm going to go with uh, Arizona, even though Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are game time decisions. Again. I don't think it's, it, yeah, I don't think it's going to matter too much just because, uh, you know, the Bears are going to be without Justin Fields again. Allen Robinson is doubtful, so they'll lose their best offensive weapon receiving wise. And I believe Akeem Hicks is out, and we all know that Akeem Hicks is what makes the defense go. Um, and the Cardinals have shown the, that they're able to win the, despite having not their two best players on offense. Um, you know, Colt McCoy is like, what, two and one is the starter now? So um, I think it'll be three and one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Arizona. Um, there's really, without Justin Fields, there's not real much hope for this uh, team going forward. Uh, it's it's a little rough because um, he is their offensive production, uh, both through the passing game and through the rushing game. Andy Dalton hasn't done bad in the starts. He's thrown for around 200 yards, 200 300 yards each game but the fact that you only beat Detroit by you know three and you need a a two-minute drive there at the end to get that field goal um this defense is doing what it needs to but uh against a team like uh like Arizona it's it's gonna be rough um I'm gonna go with Arizona Alrighty, so Skyler why don't you kick us off then as the uh six and five Chargers coming off of a loss at Denver will travel Brady did you pick no, you're right. I didn't. You're right. I didn't. No. Um, so we um, get the big four, you know. No, I was keeping it a secret. I wasn't going to tell you guys until after the game was over, so I know I had it right. Um, so, uh, no, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm taking Arizona as well. Uh, Chicago is just bad offensively. Like, there's no other way around it. Um, then you add on injuries to Chicago defense that is already marked by injury. They're going to be out Akeem Hicks for sure. Um, this is an Arizona team that, that has, has proven to be very good offensively and very good defensively. This is Chicago offensive line that is patchwork at best. And they're going to be led by Andy Dalton, who has played well for Chicago, but has played well for Chicago. You know, like it's it's for the Chicago standard there. I'm taking the Cardinals to win that game. Yeah, low bar um, for Chicago quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, then Skyler, to try this for a second time there, um, the 6-5 and five Chargers coming off of a loss to the Denver Broncos will travel to Cincinnati to take on the 7-4 and four Bengals coming off of an absolute thrashing of the Steelers, 41 to 10. Uh, both these teams in the playoff race right now would be in the playoffs if the season were to end today. But who are you taking, Bengals Chargers? Um, I am going to go with the Bengals. And if it wasn't for the fact that the line moved at like just recently, they were going to be my underdog. Um, the Bengals, I've liked everything that they've been doing. Offensively, defensively, they've been able to keep this keep teams from doing what they're good at. Um, specifically in the run game, we saw against Pittsburgh that they, in the first game, they only allowed Najee Harris run for like 60 yards. I think it was under 100 yards again in this last this last uh, timeout. Um, they are taking chances um, defensively, uh, turn, turning the ball over, taking those points and turning, or taking those, turning those turnovers into points offensively uh, Jamar Chase has slowed down a little bit in the last weeks, but again, T Higgins showed up against Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, he fucking, they, I mean, even with Mika Fitzpatrick, they, they were, this offensive attack was still moving forward. Joe Burrow is making even more of a case for, um, 
uh, uh, comeback player of the year. And even looking at it, maybe MVP, cause he's, he's playing amazingly. Um, I, and I, Zach Taylor deserves all the credit in the world, in my opinion. Everybody knows how high I am on Cincinnati, but I, the Chargers have looked in the exact opposite way. I mean, you you lose 20, 28 to 13 um, to Denver. Um, your your offensive output is not where it needs to be. You you are barely able to come back against Pittsburgh and win that game, um, and and struggles against against the Vikings, against the Ravens. Uh, you let 42 up by the Browns. Um, this has been a very hit and miss team this entire season and against a more consistent Cincinnati team. I don't see a way in which the Chargers can win. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Cincinnati also. Um, I, I want to take the Chargers, but again, it's just consistency is, is way too out of control. I mean, in, in their wins, Justin Herbert or sit there and put up 300 plus yards and look great. In their losses, he's sub 200 in a lot of instances, and, and he doesn't look fantastic. Austin Eckler has been hit or miss. Um, it, Cincinnati is just – or sorry, Cincinnati is way more consistent than the Chargers are. Um, I'm, I'm taking Cincinnati to win this. I, they have a strong shot at winning the AFC North. They just have to take care of their own business. But this is still a young Cincinnati team that is bound to make some mistakes. Um, this this feels like a must-win for the Chargers if they have any hope of, of – uh, staying competitive not only in the AFC West but in that playoff race. Um, also the- a, also Asante Samuel Jr. is out. Correct. Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Cincy as well. Um it's really heartbreaking to see that it just doesn't seem no matter who the head coach is, the the quarterback is, whatever, the Chargers are just not consistent uh year in and year out. Uh which I call sucks. that the Nebraska effect. Yeah. Um uh, but as Skyler pointed out um Cincinnati, like, even though Jamar Chase isn't on, you know, Joe Mixon and T Higgins have come in. So, you know, the offense is just so dangerous that if one playmaker is not doing it, uh, somebody else will pick up the slack and do it for them. Um, and Cincinnati's defense is probably the best it's been in a while. Um, so I'm going with Cincinnati in a win. All righty. So then uh, I'll kick us off here as the five and six Vikings travel to Detroit in an NFC North showdown to take on the 0 10 and 1 Lions. For all you Lions fans out there, need something to cheer about. Just think about it this way: um, in the month of November, you guys actually did better than the Rams did. The Rams were 0-3, <laughs> you guys were 0-3 and one. So, you know, take it for what it's worth there. Uh, but that's put a banner up. That's yeah, put a banner up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always so funny, like when I play Madden or when I actually watch Lions games and I look at the banners and like none of them have been in the last twenty-five years. I think that's just hilarious. But um, it's not like Minnesota has many banners to fly either. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings to win this game solely because the Vikings just shoot themselves in the foot slightly less than the, than the Lions do. Um, the Lions, every time it looks like they're on the verge of winning a game, they find a way to just shoot themselves in the foot and, and lose it. Minnesota, this is a must win if they want to stay competitive in any sort of race, whether that's playoff or for the NFC North. They cannot afford this loss, and unfortunately – you know, if, if I'm going to dock the Chargers for not being consistent, I have to dock, dock uh, the Lions for being consistent in the worst possible way. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings to win this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Vikings as well. Um, you know, the Lions are a bad team. I think this is going to be a longer rebuild than maybe the, you know, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes thought coming into this. The, they just really, really have nothing to hang their head on um, so far. And the Vikings, you know, are a really solid team. Um, I know they just lost to the 49ers, but they're still able to beat, uh, you know, a 
team like Green Bay, um, you know, the offense is legit. Um, so I think they'll get this win easy. Yeah. Uh, the only concerns for me for Minnesota is that both Alex, both Dalvin Cook and Christian Darris are out. Um, but so is, you know, like Trey Flowers and uh, DeAndre, Swift. DeAndre Swift and a lot of Detroit's team as well. So it's, it's, it balance. And Jared Goff is playing. Um, whereas both Kendricks and Barr are questionable and expected to play, um, which is good for Minnesota. So I'm also going to take Minnesota. All right, so the Mitch Warner to kick us off as the four and seven Giants travel to Miami to take on the five and seven uh, Dolphins. The Giants winners of three of their last five. The Dolphins winners of their last four straight. Uh, who do you take it? Dolphins, Giants. I'm going to go with Dolphins. Um, you know, they're going for, you know, it's, they're four straight wins. You know, I think they put some consistency together, obviously. Um, and I just think they're better kind of overall from top to bottom as a football team organization that the Giants who um, have been struggling with, it seems like in every facet um, of uh, the football team organization. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Dolphins. We, we've seen that their defense has really picked it up the last couple of games against Baltimore, against Carolina, against some other teams that are, you know, have good offenses. They've been able to hold them under 30 points. They've been able to turn the ball over, uh, score off those turnovers, and their offense is doing what it needs to. Tua still isn't, you know, like the next coming of Dan Marino or anything like we thought he could be, but he's still consistently putting out good results not great results but good results um it's very much that alabama thing where you're you know you're efficient but you're not like great um it's, it's the reason nobody since uh joe namath was you know a heisman guy um but yeah i i'm gonna go with miami solely on their defense the giants haven't been able to do anything offensively daniel jones whether again i'll, I'll put an asterisk next to this year with him because his supporting cast has been shit but he hasn't really done anything to help either um with some of the decision making he's been he's been trying to do um like throwing it directly to a tampa bay defensive lineman and i i don't even know what happened um this last week so uh, i'm gonna go with miami all right so scott i want you to kick us off as the five and seven eagles coming off of a loss brady did you pick god damn it i did it again (laughs) I, i absolutely oh my god yeah, I'm also taking Miami. Um, no Daniel Jones uh, for the Giants. And, yeah, he's been inconsistent, but he's still the best option the Giants have at the quarterback position. Uh, Miami is hot to a tongue of Iloa. has been playing really, really well since he came back from that injury and had that tough game in London. Um, Brian Flores seems to have gotten his team back under control. And while Miami is still dealing with some injury issues, the Giants, Saquon has not been 100%. They don't really have a rushing game. And they have the worst right guard in football. Um, given that the Miami right guard will try to catch a pass and take a tumble into the end zone, um, Giants one can't even see the his own shadow. Um, I'm taking Miami. Um, so, Skyler, to try this again. Uh, the Eagles uh, coming off of that loss to that Giants team head uh, to New Oh, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Take on the 3-8 and eight Jets. Uh, the Jets coming off of that win in Zach Wilson's uh, uh, Zach Wilson's uh, return against Houston, even though Zach Wilson had one of the worst-looking interceptions I've ever seen in my life against Houston. I don't know if you saw that clip, but he's, like, scrambling out. He sees a halfback right in front of him, and he just, like, underhand pitches it behind the halfback, and it just ends right in the linebacker's hands. It was just one of the dumbest plays. Didn't it bounce off the running back too? It was like it wasn't. 
Yeah. It was something like that. But uh, but the Jets still found a way to win that game and are three and eight on the season. So Skyler, who are you taking? Eagles, Jets. Yeah, it's such a shit show. Um, I'm gonna go with Philadelphia. Offensively, they're just you know better. Um, now, actually, I should have let me point something out. Jalen Hurts is questionable, leading to doubt. Shit, yeah. He, him, and Gardner Minshew have been splitting 50-50 of the snaps. He is engaged. Forgot Gardner Minshew's his back. Well, no, Gardner Minshew's his yeah. backup. I'm picking Philadelphia. Yeah, he's solid. <laughs> um, better than Joe Flacco's backup. I. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the the Jets played well against Miami. They did not play well against Houston, um, and then haven't played well against Buffalo, Indianapolis, or and or and then Cincinnati. They beat them, um, but they still don't have Mike White, who is the savior of this team. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not. Um, Phil and Phil and Philadelphia. Um, has wins against New Orleans, against Denver, and against and a convincing win against the Detroit team. Um, the last week against the Giants is is right, uh, but Jalen Hurts has been dealing with his injuries. Um, they still they are the more balanced offense. Their defense um, isn't the best, but it's still better than what the Giants are fielding right now. Um, and I, I they have the playmakers in order to to do the things they need in order to win. Whereas you're looking at the jet, the jets, Corey Davis is questionable. Wesco is doubtful. Williams is questionable. Moses is questionable. Sheldon Rankins is doubtful. Like there's, there's just a lot, especially on the interior offensive and defensive lines um, that are struggling and that, and are injured. So even if they are back, they're going up against a Philadelphia team that has proven to be continuously physical and uh, Casario, right? The head coach, Serrani, no, 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 not Casario, Serrani. Nick Serrani has has done great things with this Philadelphia team um, and put him in a position that I don't think any of us were really expecting them to be in um, 12 weeks into the season. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, I'm picking Philly also. Um, my one issue is with how much of Philadelphia's offense revolves around Jalen Hurts, if he's not 100% or if it is Gardner Minshew who's playing, that does still give me some serious worries. But given that the Jets, uh, that Morgan Moses is questionable, that Jamison Crowder, or sorry, not Jamison Crowder, Corey Davis is questionable, that they have a lot of injuries themselves they're dealing with. And unfortunately, Zach Wilson, just he's not had a good moment in the NFL. Zach Wilson has not had a good performance in the NFL since he's joined. Granted, he's been hurt, but even then, four touchdowns, ten interceptions through the air on the season so far has not looked good. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles to right the ship and get to six and seven on the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Um, I think they're a better team, obviously. The Jets, I think they're still rebuilding. They got some nice pieces, but still need to make a lot of improvements before they can be competitive. Um, the Eagles are doing good things. Uh, I think Garden Mitchell, even if I think he can come in and do what the Eagles need him to do. Um, and fun fact, I think the Eagles lead in is like the top rushing offense or something like that, but don't have a hundred yard uh, rusher in a game. Yeah. They've done it by committee and it's worked really, really well for them. It's very similar to, I think like how green Bay handles their rushing, except that obviously Aaron Rodgers isn't the team's leading rusher anymore. It's not 2011. Which anymore. is good. Um, That's but, not uh, Buffalo. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is I, 
guys, we have to stop agreeing. We've agreed on every pick so far. And unfortunately, oh, don't worry. unfortunately, that's the issue when we have so many matchups where it's like a 500 team taking on a significantly worse team or a playoff caliber um, team is taking on a 500 or sub 500 team. And that just continues with the next matchup as the six and six Colts travel to Houston to take on the two and nine Texans. Um, I, this is fucking easy. This is the Colts. Uh, Wentz has struggled the last couple of weeks, but Jonathan Taylor is still with Derrick Henry out. He's the best halfback in, in professional football right now. Like, I don't necessarily know if there's an argument there. And and if Carson Wentz plays just a little bit better, if the Colts have just a little bit more offensive production, um, they easily win that game against Tampa Bay. They were up 24 to 14 at half. Um, the Colts should handle this game no problem. I'm taking Indy. Yeah, I'm going to go with Indy as well. Um, you know, they're a really dangerous team. Um, Jonathan Taylor obviously doing amazing. Uh, the Colts' defense is like – has an um, incredible uh, – takeaway differential and all that kind of stuff. Um, and like Brady said, uh, if uh, turnover goes col- the Colts way or once puts up a better pass in the last seconds of the game, um, Colts could beat Tampa Bay easily. Um, and I don't think the Texans are going to give them uh, much trouble. I'm also going to go with Indianapolis. I mean, you're just looking right now. Um, a lot of Houston is missing. I mean, Justin McCray, Terrence Brooks, Demarcus Walker, Danny Amendola all out. Um, and they're allowing 135 yards of rushing per game. Um, and this is a this is an Indianapolis team that are that just wants to run the ball. They use Jonathan Taylor as their as just everything. Um, and it's been working for them. So all the credit towards them. I think that I I, I they put the fear in God of me when you know Tampa when they were beating Tampa Bay until uh, I, old uh, LSU Lenny decided to show up uh, in that game. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Indianapolis. All righty. So Mitch, why don't you kick us off? Uh, when the five and six Washington football team travels to Vegas to take on the six and five Raiders, uh, the Raiders winners of three in a row, Washington coming off of an, uh, sorry, let me try this again. Washington winners of three in a row. Uh, the Raiders coming off of a Thanksgiving overtime win against Dallas to break a three game losing streak. Uh, who are you taking Washington or the Raiders? I'm going to go with the Raiders as my underdog pick. Um, I think they can pull it off. I said they could do it against Dallas, and they were able to do it. Um, even though Darren Waller is probably not playing, I still think they have enough pieces. You know, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake is their running backs. Um, Hunter Renfro is really coming into his own as a wide receiver. Um, I think they can do it against a Washington team that has played better but still has its flaws. I'm going to go with Washington. Um I, honestly, the last three games, they've done amazing work, but also just looking at the teams that they've faced, uh, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, um, both with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady healthy. Um, Carolina, even uh, the last five games, they haven't allowed anybody to score over 30 points. I think for the Raiders, in order for the Raiders to win, they need to score over 30 points. But if Darren Waller isn't playing, then that just that negates it entirely. Um, they've been playing their best football. Washington's defense has been playing its best football without two of its best pass rushers um, in uh, Chase Young and Jonathan, uh, not Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan Allen. Um, yeah. Um, and no, Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat. Sorry. Not Jonathan. Jonathan. 
Yeah. yeah Jonathan Allen's still playing that um, yeah. the leadership has seemed to kind of figure itself out. Kendall Fuller in that back half has been playing amazingly. Uh, Taylor Heineke um, has been making great decisions. Antonio Gibson's getting the ball more often, which is exactly what you need. Um, and the football gods actually seem to be on their side now. Uh, they, they were able to do amazing things. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You beat, you beat Tom Brady, uh, hold Aaron Rodgers under 30 points and you beat Russell Wilson. This team is doing exactly what it needs to. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Washington. Uh, yeah. I'm going to agree with Skyler and pick the Washington football team. Um, this one key reason is that just the Raiders cannot run the ball. And even though Washington has a depleted defensive line, I still don't think the Raiders are going to be able to run the ball. Um, this is a Washington team that has gotten a lot more production out of Antonio Gibson, some of their pass catchers. Um, they are hurt quite a bit between Wes uh, Schweitzer being out, Lady Collins being out, and J.D. McKissick being out. Uh, Curtis Samuel and Ricky Seals-Jones are both questionable. But the Raiders could be could be without uh, Kayshawn Nixon and Trayvon Mullen in this game. They're for sure out Carl Nasser and uh, Patrick Anwuwasar. And Nick Witkowski is not 100%. This is a Raiders defense that itself has been depleted, annihilated by injuries. Um, I think Washington's going to be able to take advantage of it. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, has that team gaining a little bit of momentum like we saw last season. They're winners of three in a row. I say they make it four in a row, and I'm going with Washington. Uh, so, Skyler, marquee matchup of the week. We'll have you kick it off as the 2-9 and nine Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Los Angeles to take on the 7-4 and four Rams. Um, these teams had a combined month of November of, uh, let's see, 1-3. And uh, they're one in six in the month of November with the one win coming from Jacksonville of all teams. Um, yeah. So who are you taking? Uh, Jacksonville coming off of a loss to Atlanta, losers of three in a row. The Rams coming off of a loss to Green Bay, losers of three in a row. I, Is this your I, underdog? No. Um, I'm I'm going with I'm going with Los Angeles. Um, they need to right the ship here. They have still have a tough schedule ahead of them, and they need to make the playoffs. Um, they need to win now. Uh, this I, I hate to say it, but this is a must-win game. You need to beat Jacksonville. You need you need to get back into the winning ways. They it's honestly not the I can't point out what's going wrong. Their defense has not been playing where it needs to be. Matthew Stafford's been struggling from the pocket. Um. And offensively, they're just not. There's not as much urgency as there used to be. Uh, either that, or teams are just picking up on what they're trying to do, because um, they're healthy for the most part. Like there's not a lot of injuries going on, um, and it doesn't seem like there's a bunch of different personalities, which you would usually think is the problem. It's just honestly that they can't figure out. I can't figure out what's wrong with this team. Um, and Jacksonville still Jacksonville. Um, I, I mean, they're still allowed. They're still two and nine. Uh, they're still not good defensively and or offensively and this is a perfect game for los angeles in order for them to get back to where they need to in order to make the playoffs and make a good playoff run and win games the rest of this season because they need to win games in order to stay in the playoff hunt brady um, so uh yeah, I, I'm taking the Rams also. Skyler says he can't figure out what's wrong with the Rams team. I can. Um, it's that they don't have a run game. That offensive line is proving to be a serious liability, given even just the injuries that they've dealt with. And this is a defense. Gentlemen, if we look at the numbers, the Jacksonville Jaguars have a better pass defense than the Rams do. Now, granted, the Rams have played some better competition. They've played some teams that have uh, really focused on passing the ball. Um, and the, the Rams are significantly better against the rush than, than Jacksonville is. But if you didn't look at the records, man, these are two similarly struggling teams. 
I'm going to take the Rams because even though Matt Stafford has not played consistent and has thrown a pick six in each of the last three games, um, the definition of inconsistency is, is rookie quarterbacks this year. Trevor Lawrence has just not looked great. Uh, uh, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. James Robinson, if, if Jacksonville just feeds James, James Robinson the ball all day, Jacksonville has a significant chance to win this game. But I don't think Urban Meyer knows to do that, and I don't think Jacksonville will do that. So I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams as well. Um, Skyler thinks it's a good, uh, you know, get right game. I think this could be a good game to, you know, figure out what's wrong and try some new things to see if that helps your team as well. Um, But I could also see Jacksonville uh, getting another upset like they do with Buffalo. Um, You know, last week against the Packers, Rashawn Gary really made Andrew Whitworth look his age, um, was able to manhandle him. And I think Josh Allen can do the same caliber. Um, and like Brady said, uh, Matthew Stafford has thrown a pick six in three straight weeks. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again. So there's a chance for upset, but I think it's more likely the Rams will, uh, you know, get things figured out this game. Yeah. And, you know, I think listening to that Packers Rams game, I, I actually agree with Troy Aikman on something, which is when he said that, that bringing in OBJ wasn't meant to be a massive solution. It was meant to just be another piece, but with the loss of Robert Woods, OBJ has had to become a much larger part of that offense. And now he's dealing with a back injury. He hasn't looked great. He had his first touchdown against the Packers, but this is a Rams team that has a lot of injuries. Oh yeah, the guy fell down. Yeah, true. Um, so uh, I'll kick us off here as the Ravens travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, the Ravens eight and three, the Steelers five, five and one. Um, Steelers losers of two in a row and also uh, uh, the Steelers went one, two, and one in the month of November. Um, the Ravens winners of three of their last four with that loss to Miami uh, sitting in the back of their mind. Um, I'm taking the Ravens. The Steelers defensively has just looked awful the last two weeks. Such a good defense has given up 41 points in back-to-back weeks. Offensively, they haven't been able to really do anything. I don't think Najee Harris has had a bad rookie season. I mean, if you look at this kid's numbers, um, five uh, touchdowns on the year, he's eighth in the league in rushing, but he's fourth in attempts. The Steelers' offensive line just can't get any sort of push, and this is a very good Ravens team when it comes to defending the run. I'm taking the Ravens to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens as well. Um, Even though T.J. Watt just got cleared off the COVID list, um, I still don't believe in the Steelers. There's it's just a shit show right now. I mean, Ryan Clark, uh, former, you know, corner for the Steelers just says, you know, this team isn't the same, especially the defense. It's fucking soft. Uh, you know, they care more about doing TikToks than trying to be a dominating team. Like we've seen the Steelers do for decades. Um, you know, it's a mess on the offense with big Ben and the offensive line. Um, and the defense just hasn't been what, what we saw when, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, but, uh, you know, initially came to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. You have Joe Haig and Joe Hayden are both out, um, which are, you know, a good tackle. And one of the, one of their, he was, Joe Haig was, or uh, Joe Hayden was doing yeah, Joe. with, yeah, Joe Haig was the tackle and Joe Hayden, the cornerback. He was, he wasn't yeah. doing too bad with, with Pittsburgh, um, but you're losing that part of your offense, whereas Baltimore is just continuously getting more and more healthy. Um, hopefully in this game, they don't have to try to force things with Lamar like he did against uh, um, Cincinnati. Um, you could 
play just a little bit more of the game that he needs to. Um, but they've played against very good defensive teams and and won games. Uh, three of the last four, Minnesota, Chicago, and uh, Cleveland have been good defensive games. And then Pittsburgh just can't they, – they don't have the defense in order for them to play like a Miami. Um, or you can kind of just do what you need to do. And Pitt – and I – like you're seeing with with Roethlisberger his arm strength isn't there anymore he just doesn't have it it's it's very reminiscent of Drew Brees towards the end of his career with the Saints he is he's a smart enough quarterback and he's a veteran such a veteran that he knows he can make good decisions but he doesn't have the arm strength to push it down the field anymore which is a lot of what Ben Roethlisberger was really good at was pushing the ball down the field and I I saw something made me laugh the offensive line for Pittsburgh hasn't always been like it isn't always good it's just Big Ben could take a hit and because he's, you know, six, five and 270 some pounds, they just bounce off of him. It's not happening anymore. He doesn't have that, that, the, the mobility and at least the, the ability to just, you know, deck a linebacker anymore. Um, that's hurting them. Whereas Baltimore's defense is just continuously getting good and good. Uh, Adofe Owe has been a, a steal for them and amazing pass rusher that they've needed. Um, so Baltimore. Uh, already, so then, uh, Mitch, we'll have you kick us off as the six and five 49ers take on the three and eight Seahawks. This is a tale of two very different franchises. Both of these teams were two and four at one point in the season. Since then, the Niners have won four of their last five games, and the Seahawks have lost four of their last five games. Um, the Seahawks three and eight, technically still in the playoff race, but on the way outside looking in. The Seahawks did win the first matchup between these two games, 28 to 21 in San Francisco. Um, but Mitch, who are you taking, 49ers or Seahawks? I'm going to go with the 49ers. Um, I still, you know, the Seahawks are a bad team. I think the 49ers um, are not as bad as them, but I still don't think they're a great team like we've seen the past couple of years um, before then. Um, but I just think they have a little bit more consistency. You know, I think the offense is in a better place. Uh, you know, Trent Williams has been the best offensive tackle in the league uh, all year and offensive lineman overall, I think. Um, but what he's been able to do and um, Elijah Mitchell is really coming into his own as a running back. Um, and I don't think the defense will be the, you know, with how Russell Wilson has looked, I don't think he's going to really test them. I think they can do what they need to do in their game plan. Um, and Seattle's in a really weird spot, obviously with three wins. And um, I don't know, I think this might be the end of the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era after this season, just of how they played and, um, what they haven't done for the team uh, for Russell Wilson to succeed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to go with San Francisco as well. We were seeing that San Francisco's rushing game is getting back where it needs to. Um, Debo Samuel isn't going to be in this game. I think he's been ruled out. So yeah, that so. does that does affect some of the running game. But also Seattle consistently has been one of the worst rush defenses in football just generally. Um, Elijah. The halfbacks are all questionable. Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, and Travis Homer are all questionable for this game. Yeah, um, and give credit to uh, Kevin. Uh, not Kevin. Uh, what's his fucking name? Shanahan. What's his first name? Mike. Mike. Yeah, Mike. God damn it, Kyle. It's Kyle Shanahan. God damn it, Brady. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck uh, you, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Fuck you, Kyle. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has been doing has has got this offense backwards to kind of where it needs to be it helps that you have Kittle back because having Kittle back gives you something to use in the play action game they haven't been needing to 
to pass the ball a lot. They've been able to run the ball very successfully with Debo Samuel, with Elijah Mitchell, with uh, J- J- Michael Hasty, with name person, put them in the backfield. You're going to run the ball. <laughs> like, um, And Seattle can't defend the run to save their life. We saw it against Washington. We've seen it against Minnesota. We've seen it against everybody. Um, I, I'm going with, I'm, I'm going with San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco easy. Let's just take a look at the last three games. Seattle has put up a total of 28 points. Uh, the 49ers have put up 95. Um, this is a Seattle team that just offensively, they can't, they can't get anything going. They have no run game. Uh, the, the passing game is way too inconsistent. The offensive line is terrible. The 49ers still have a lot of injuries, but they've still got a really solid offensive line. And as long as you can just uh, put your nose down and play power football, they're going to win this game. I'm taking the 49ers to avenge an early season loss. Um, so, Skyler, we'll have you kick us off as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, winners of four in a row coming off of a bye week, uh, will host the Denver Broncos, winners of three of their last four games. Now, Kansas City has won the last 11 matchups against Denver, and Andy Reid is 19-3 and as a head coach uh, for – as a head coach against um, – Sorry, never mind. Uh, they've won 11 straight. Never mind the 19 and three thing. I was looking at the stat wrong. So, Skyler, who are you taking, Kansas City or Denver? I'm going to take Denver and the upset, boys. Uh, That's your dog. This is not my underdog. This is not my underdog. At least one sec. Let me double check something. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I picked. Oh, yeah. No, it has to. It is my underdog. It is my underdog. The next one, and that's who my dog is going to be, so. Yeah, no, Denver is my dog, or Denver is my dog, because the stat line for Patriots Bills moved again. Um, God damn it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Denver, I'm, I'm going with my dog. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Denver the last couple of weeks, um, specifically their defense. Vic Fangio has, has picked that up. The only 30-point game that we've seen um, them let up is against Philadelphia, um, and granted, Philadelphia has been inconsistent on offense, but it's not a team that isn't that can. It's a team that can hang 30. On, on a lot of teams, a lot of players. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. Um, but, I mean, wins against Washington, against Dallas, against uh, Chargers, uh, not allowing any of them to get even close to 30 points in any of that. Um, they're playing uh, They're playing good football. They're playing safe football. Their defense is creating turnovers. Um, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to. I mean, I, it's exactly what, what – the kind of football that uh, Denver needs in order to make the playoffs. It's the best Denver has played, um, honestly, in a while. Best like four game stretch they've played in forever. Um, Kansas City has been doing amazing for winning four straight wins against you know Green Bay, the Raiders, uh, Dallas, um, but their offense is still not consistently scoring points in ways that they need to. Um, a lot of people after they beat Vegas forty one to fourteen was like, oh, their offense is back. Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing for 500 yards and five touchdowns for the rest of the season. And then he doesn't do that against Dallas. Um, I mean, still 19 points, still wins the game there for a second. It looked like he was about to throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, but Dallas's defense kind of stiffened up. uh, didn't allow anything else. Um, But Denver's defense is, is doing good. Um, uh, Just under 250 yards of passing offense that they're allowing a hundred and around a hundred yards of rushing offense that they're allowing. Um, And they just, consistently better uh defense um and that and melvin gordon has kind of shown into his own with denver as well um 
with the you know 600 yards and five touchdowns and limited action he's been hurt a little bit um but teddy bridgewater has been consistent he has been efficient he is not turning the ball over and i think that that really just helps denver um win this game um, I'm taking Kansas City. Um, Garrett Bowles for Denver is expected to play, but he is not 100%. Um, Melvin Gordon is doubtful. Kansas City, to me, they're just a better football team. I mean, they're winners of four in a row. They've gotten they've gotten a lot that they needed to correct corrected these last couple of weeks of the season. Defensively, they've gotten a lot better. Offensively, I think they've improved, but they still have issues. Uh, Pat Mahomes is he's he's a little inconsistent, but he's still far better than what Teddy Bridgewater is going to field. Um, and I don't know, given the decimation at the Broncos linebacking and secondary positions, I don't know what the answer they're going to have for Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey is. And let's also not not lose focus on the fact that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has had a sneaky good season so far. Statistically, it might not look like it, but he's been able to put in some some hard yards and play really, really well for Kansas City. Now, he is questionable in this game, so take it for what it's worth. But I'm going to take the Chiefs to win their 12th straight against the Broncos. Yeah, I'm going to go with Casey as well. Um, I think the offense has played better, obviously. Um, but like Skyler said, take it with a grain of salt, um, um, you know, because they had that big Raiders game, and then they kind of had a letdown scoring-wise uh, with the Cowboys, even though they still won. Um, but the defense, I think, has improved enough to the point where they can do what they need to do. Um, moving Chris Jones back into the, uh, as a DT instead of an end has worked wonders, obviously with the five sack game. Um, and Rashad Fenton, a corner for them has really stepped up and really uh, help uh, improve this pass uh, defense. All right. So then I'll kick it off. And uh, with new England at Buffalo, Buffalo, the home team um, favored only by two and a half. So as my underdog, I'm taking the Buffalo bills. Um, uh, New England coming in eight and four, Buffalo seven and four. Um, Buffalo coming off of a little bit of a mini buy with that Thursday night game against the uh, against the Saints. Um, to me, the key factor in this, uh, Kyle Duggar for the Patriots being out with COVID, and uh, just how good the Bills' defense is against the running game. Mac Jones and this Patriots offense is built on play action and their ability to run the football. And even though they only average 115 rushing yards per game. They're hard yards that they pick up, and it opens up that that play-action offense that Belichick and McDaniels love to run. Um, I am I'm taking Buffalo to win this game. Um, I think that Josh Allen and the Bills this is a must-win if they want to if they want to just continue to improve. And while I'm really high on the Patriots, I'm a little higher on the Buffalo's defense, even without Tre'Davious White. I still think the defensive line is solid enough. I still think the linebacking core and led by guys like Micah Hyde. Uh, in the secondary, I think Buffalo is still really good and, and are going to give Mac Jones some fits here. But this is going to be a close game for New England. I think the Patriots are going to pull it off. Um, I think they are playing really good football, obviously. Um, Mac Jones has looked amazing, uh, very Tom Brady-like, um, doing what he needs to do with the running backs, you know, whether it's Damian Harrison, Stevenson, um, you know, so on and so forth. They just get the job done. Um, and Hunt, the Mac Jones, Hunter Henry connection has been really good. Um, and the defense is played up to, I think what we're used to JC Jackson has been amazing. Um, Belichick better hurry up and get him a contract extension. Um, cause they need a stuff like that. Um, 
Whereas the Bills, they've showed they've struggled a lot. Um, the lack of a running game has really made them one-dimensional and has really hurt the offense. Um, so I think the Patriots, you know, are, you know, they don't have to worry about a rushing attack. Um, so they can really focus on just pass defense. Um, and I think Tredevious White's injury is going to hurt them a lot because let's be honest, he was their really real only corner that they can really rely on. And with him gone, those are safeties. Still, safety corner who gives it five bail cover. Yeah, but I still think with White out, uh, guys like, you know, a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who's known for his speed, can really uh, test the limits of the secondary. So I'm going with the Patriots rolling on. Yeah, um, I'm also going to go with the Patriots. Uh, should they, if, if that line was just 0.5 in the other direction, they would have been my underdog. They yeah. were my underdog. Until I saw that the line moved, um, and it moved because Tre'Davious White, because it was confirmed that he had an, uh, an ACL injury and that he was out. It was three, yeah, it moved, and then when yeah. they confirmed that he was out for the season, it moved to two and a half Buffalo. That's fucking stupid. Um, well, yeah, with Tre'Davious White being out, but then also Tommy Doyle and Star. Oh God, how do you say this? Lou to Lou to Lele. There you go. Uh, Star Lutu Delay are both uh, questionable to play in this game, so that's that is the meat of their of their defensive tackles um, of of what they of and Ed Oliver, um, I guess, uh, of of that rushing defense that they have. And I, I I'm sorry. Do you look at what New England has faced in the last five weeks? You're going up against Tennessee, Atlanta, Cleveland, and the Chargers. Tennessee has a good rushing defense. Cleveland has a good rushing defense. Um, the other ones not really um but still was able to run the ball successfully against them and use that as a play action game play action pass um they haven't the last one position game one position game they've been in was against the chargers but their defense has been showing out in the last five in their since they've started this win streak they've caused 20 total turnovers that's a lot and i mean all josh allen isn't being entirely careful with the football we've seen in the games that they've lost that he's been turning the ball over a lot um and i (laughs) this offense for new england is underrated you're not you're there are things about it that we that you're not being able to see the offensive line is performing amazingly well whether it's damian harris or brandon bolden or um ramondre stevenson they're all doing great jobs running the game and i mean Hunter Henry and Mac Jones have a great connection. I, it's actually the two leading touchdown tight ends are in this game with Dawson Knox and Hunter Henry. Um, I honestly think it's just going to be who can take care better, take better care of the football. That's going to win this game. And so far the Patriots have shown that they're better at taking care of the football. So the Patriots and we get a good Monday night game. Yay. <laughs> finally, finally. And you know what? No Patriots and no bills were on the Manning cast. So, uh, we can't use that to, to pick. There's a reason, um, yeah. So moving on to our heroes, um, I have two. Uh, the first one is the uh, Jerseys for Jackson campaign that was taken across, you know, really the sports world. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jackson Sparks was the eight-year-old boy who ended up dying of his injuries in the Waukesha Parade uh, catastrophe. Um, and just to see not only the amount of Wisconsin sports teams, but the amount of people across the nation who wore their jerseys or sent jerseys to Jackson uh, is fantastic. A lot of people who were involved have been released from the hospital. My community has rallied and, and I just thank everybody for the support of it. Um, you know, this is, I believe this is our first time that we get to talk about 
what happened since it happened because uh, we talked about it at the last episode. Yeah, we talked about it last episode. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just want to thank everybody for that, and and it's just a really cool campaign that was taken uh, that happened. Um, but then my other one, my other hero, goes to the California School for the Deaf Riverside, the high school in California who finished their season um, undefeated with the exception of losing the state championship game. Uh, a school for the deaf played absolutely fantastic quality football out there in California. They proved that disability is not inability. Um, they absolutely annihilated uh, opponents, and they did it without being able to say a word. Um, I, the California School for the Deaf man. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep going. I can't focus on that. <laughs> the California School for the Deaf at Riverside. Um, massive props to you for, for that that amazing campaign. Sorry it couldn't end in a total trophy, but man, that is a season to be remembered. It's a season to be very proud of. So those are my heroes for the episode. Yeah, my hero for the episode goes to uh, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Um, not for the season that he had, but um, um, after I think it was either before or after the Ohio State game, um, he announced that he was going to give up whatever bonus money, incentive money, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, which ranges. I think it'll be able to be like three to four million dollars. Um, he's going to give it back to Michigan's athletic department to be distributed to uh, people, you know, in the department who had to uh, take a pay cut because of COVID. Um, and I think that's really generous uh, for him to do. And I don't know if there's a lot of head coaches uh, that would do something like that. So I just wanted to give him props to that because we know Brian Kelly wouldn't do that. Oh, you mean Chip Kelly? Yeah, Brian Kelly. I'm sorry, Brian Kelly. Um, yeah. Yay, Jim Harbaugh. Ah, oh, it's broken. Damn it. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, my hero is Blake Corum, the uh, halfback for Michigan. Um, he took some of his uh, – uh, NIL money and use it to buy a bunch of turkey, turkeys and other uh, food uh, for some families that weren't able to have, you know, a, a full Thanksgiving meal. Um, so I think that's awesome. It, it goes more into what we're seeing with uh, more and more football players that they're taking their NIL money um, and giving it back to uh, the communities that which have helped them. I mean, a bunch of Husker players just donated some money to uh, the Lincoln Food Bank, and we're seeing it just across the country. Um, the, a lot of when NIL started, a lot of people thought that they were just going to be selfish and not use that money, um, but players are again and again showing that they're willing to give back to the communities that have that have helped them. So uh, heroes Blake Corum and the other uh, and just uh, football players, the college players, uh, football, basketball, any of them that are giving back to their community with their NIL money, it's way to, way to show those fuckers up. Yeah, you know, I have to, I have to give, uh, I guess, a little shout out to the big house. Uh, that game, you know, after the That's great. two years that we've had to see a hundred plus thousand people. Now, granted, with the fucking Omicron variant or whatever the fuck it's called now coming out. Yeah. Maybe Transformers. Robots in disguise. But, uh, but to see 100,000 people in just a snowy Michigan football game, man, that was that was that was, a, that was the best part of the snow. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a sight to behold. Uh, so moving on to the putzes, uh, we've alluded to him a couple of times. My first putz is going to go to Mr. Brian Kelly. 
who was quoted on November 22nd as saying, no, I mean, look, I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? Unless that fairy godmother comes by with that $250 million check, my wife would want to take a look at it first. I'd have to run it by her. Um, pretty much unequivocally saying, no, I'm not leaving Notre Dame. And then a week later, and supposedly after only a 45-minute conversation with the LSU AD, he takes the LSU head football uh, coaching job, wakes his team up at 7 in the morning, gives them um, what is Five-minute talk. Five-minute talk saying that he's leaving and then ditches his own daughter in South Bend to travel down to Baton Rouge and uh, take over that LSU head coaching job. That shit is despicable to me. I had a lot of love for Brian Kelly, and I know that this is all part of the game, and you can say the same thing for Lincoln Riley, but I just hate that 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 this happens. I hate that you can walk into a family's home and say, like, yeah, I'm going to recruit your kid. I want him to come play for me. I'm going to be there for him. I'm going to be the one. And then the minute that a team like Notre Dame who still realistically has the chance of making a college football playoff, the minute a bigger check comes by that coach leaves, that to me is just fucking despicable. Um, And then my other putts is going to go to four college football blue bloods for the first time ever. Florida State, Texas, USC, and Nebraska all finish with a losing record on the season. Boys, you don't have to add us into that. You don't no, have no, to no, add us into that. No, no, no. That's what the graphic says. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the college football blue bloods. I mean, how many national championships are between those teams? How many conference championships? How many Heisman Trophy winners are between those teams? I mean, it, it, college football blue bloods boys are dead. And, and we can even look at it with the conference championship week we're dealing with this season. Ohio State's not in it. Clemson's not in it. Uh, Oklahoma's not in it. Alabama had a very good chance of not being in it. Um, like, there's just teams like Wake Forest and Pitt. And you know what? Iowa's been there before, and Michigan has been there. Has obviously won conference championships before. They're a blue blood. They haven't been to the game yet. No, you're right. They've won conference championships before, but they haven't been to the game yet. But they're obviously – they're still Michigan, one of the winningest programs in college football. We take a look at the fact that Baylor and Oklahoma State are in there, and they're not college football blue bloods. We take a look at, at, at so many of these other matchups and Utah winning the winning the Pac-12 yesterday. Yeah, Utah winning the Pac-12. I mean, it was only the second time since the Pac-12 championship game has been played that the South Conference has won the Pac-12 championship. The other one being USC, led by Sam Darnold a couple years ago. Um, the college football blue bloods are dead, and all of those programs are in various forms of rebuilding and to varying levels of success. Florida State hasn't been good in a while. Nebraska, unfortunately, hasn't been good in a while. Texas hasn't been good in a while, but they've been a little bit better. And USC really hasn't been good since Sam Darnold left. Um, So those are my putzes, uh, Brian Kelly and the uh, big college football blue bloods. Uh, Yeah, for my putzes, um, I'm kind of surprised you didn't get more in detail on Lincoln Riley um, for your putts. Given, I think his might have even been worse. Yeah, but like he, I always expected, like with Lincoln Riley, the expectation was always that he was going right, to take another job. Now, granted, be, I thought it was going to be an NFL job, not a college football job. To be clear, to be clear, to be, to be clear, he did say he wasn't taking the LSU job. <laughs> he didn't true. say he wasn't taking a job. He just said he wasn't taking the LSU job. True, but he says I'm not taking the LSU job the night before. Um yeah. And then the next day he goes to USC. Um, 
and you know he has his press conscience and he says stuff like you know like you know we're gonna this is gonna be the mecca of football and you got his former Oklahoma players who are still at Oklahoma saying like what the fuck you just told us the same fucking speech last week um I think he deserves to be a scumbag like Brian Kelly in that same regard um but for my official putts um I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, women's head uh, basketball coach. Um, if you guys don't know the story, he actually called a timeout during a game to make his team run laps. Um, I think it's some, it's some bullshit stuff. Um, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's not college stuff. Maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe middle school, high school, you know, kind of stuff where you're still learning it, but not, the league before you go into the pros, which is, you know, basically like semi-pro shit. Um, so just a big fuck you to that guy to make his team do that and humiliate them in a public space like that. Uh, my putts is going to go to Quinn Ewers. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Quinn Ewers is now transferring <laughs> from Ohio State. Uh, Tate Martell part two, maybe? Um, like, Well, Quinn Ewers, I think it's hot higher ranked in terms of recruiting. Oh, no, much better. No, number yeah. one overall uh, recruit last year. Yeah, so yeah, Quinn Ewers is the... Was Martel number one? He was number one overall. Quinn Mar- so Quinn Ewers is the former number one quarterback in the country, five-star quarterback from last year. Decided to go to Ohio State because Justin Fields was leaving. Decided to go early. Um, and then C.J. Stroud decided to, you know, take the job. And, like CJ Stroud won the job. Let's be honest. Well, like, well here's, here's the thing though. Quinn Ewers doesn't show up until the summer, and I don't know if he shows up in the summer and expects to win the game to win the job then. Because if he does, because he reclassed even he went from 22 to 21 because of this. So that, like, bud, like, think this through just a little bit, a little bit. You, you're going in, you 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 can have Ryan Day on the phone and go, hey, bud, hey, coach, what's your quarterback situation right now? You can watch the spring game, watch to see how CJ Stroud and these other guys are playing, um, or even just buy your fucking time. You don't need to play right away. I'm sure that there will be a team that will take a chance on Quinn Ewers in Texas. There's he's apparently looking at specifically Texas teams, um, Texas, Texas A&M, uh, 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 Texas Tech, those guys, um, Baylor, probably maybe, um to go play football there just like in this age of transferring like there's some transfers that make sense like spencer rattler adrian martinez those guys those make sense adrian martinez is a grad transfer spencer rattler realizes that he lost the job in at oklahoma and can play football somewhere else he's still a good very talented and good quarterback um but yours doesn't make any sense because you chose to go to ohio state you chose to reclassify knowing full well what their quarterback situation was you had offers from other teams you could have gone there um just like for 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 young 18 year old guys like high school kids just kind of think it through a little bit before you decide to to commit think about what you want from that university if you want to play right away then go to a team that you can play right away if you want to win national championships then go to a team that is going to win national championships but you have to weigh those options and i just think that this entire decision was about nil and money um and not about what was actually going to be in his future. Um, and I feel I feel bad for him and I feel bad for his parents. But also, I think that as an 18-year-old man, he needs to be called out for his decisions and their poor decisions. So, Quinn Ewers, you're my putts. Why? Wow, he made a $1.5 million. I would take that fucking decision. I mean, good. Amazing. But also, like, then you're going to yeah, transfer? Like... 
And he, yeah, he's wearing, he's got a mullet. I, the, the, also a putz, putz. I hate offensive linemen and tight ends for bringing back the mullet. You're my putz too. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you brought Scouts it back. Scouts and linebackers brought it back. I know. It was just, it was big Next 10 players. I also have another putz, which is actually the Los Angeles Lakers, because the Lakers two times this season have blown leads against the Thunder, who just lost by the most points ever in an NBA basketball game. 73. 73 points, and the Lakers blew a lead to that team twice so far this season. Fucking hilarious. But anyway, that's our episode. Uh, We're very excited to see this college football conference championship, which is going to start here very soon. Um, We will uh, be back to give another update on the NFL world, to review the college football championship, and then we'll have our bowl game selection uh, that'll be happening soon, as well as the college football playoff selection will be happening soon. So we're very excited. Uh, join us for those. Everybody have yourself a fantastic day. Go Mayo Bowl. Coming up. And uh, thanks for listening to the Fourth String Sports Podcast.